This is Davey Von Bolin from Maritime, Captain Jazz, and the Promise Ring, and you're listening to Two Beats Off Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to episode 15 of Two Beats Off Podcast. How's everybody doing? Terrible. Oh. Yeah, not too good. Not good now. No. Hey, uh, do you guys want to start with a game? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. I've been I trying want... to... Guys, oh, I've been trying... <laughs> yes. MC, I'll let Thank you get you. fired up in a second. I've been trying to force a game onto this goddamn show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For, for almost 15 episodes, so... I'll play we're gonna... your game. This is a new segment. I've got two rounds, so we can see how it goes. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is a new segment I'm going to call Six Degrees of Dan Yeman. So, so you guys have to connect Dan Yeman and this other celebrity that I give you in six moves. And like I know a it's a celebrity celebrity or like a punk celebrity? Well, so the first one, I think, Jeff Goldblum. I think this is easy. This is a throwaway. Dan Yeeman, Bruce Springsteen. Okay. Multiple, multiple ways to get there. I'll let you work it out. Show your work. What's the, what, what's the drummer's name? What's his name? Bruce. Bruce's Bruce. drummer? Max Weinberg. Yeah. And he did it against me. His son, Jay, did. His son, can, is that a connection? We have to yeah. say it is. Because yeah, because in 2009, I saw Jay Weinberg play with Bruce Springsteen. There's a little bit of personal... Justin lore and like Justin history in this. Oh, well, thank God everyone's been waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> I would uh, be so bad at this game. Well, we're in against me, so we gotta connect against me to Dan Yeaman. So, Paint It Black, Lifetime. What else does he have? Yeah, but why? Armalite. I mean, you could just say they played with against me. At the fest in Florida, they did, they did but that same state. Find some a little more concrete than that. Okay, there's a, bet, on, there's a better on. connect. You can get there a couple ways. Well, we can connect against me with George Rebello to Bouncing Souls or Hot Water Music. Yeah, Reverse. I only know the drummers apparently. <laughs> apparently, um, do you so know the drummer? Do, get... of, do you know the drummer of Pant Black? No. Uh, I know that. Well, first it was uh, Wagon Shoots, and then it was Shavelson, Jared Shavelson. Okay, so people like, with stupid names. Like he's giving the answers. This no, is I'm like not, the I'm not actually giving you the answers to the test. I'm not any good at this game. I don't know people. Wait, in who most played games. drums in No More Black? That was also in Ho Hocon, maybe. Okay, I'm getting Jared, way off track. But Jared, Jared Shavelson, who is the okay. current Paint Black drummer. Yeah. And oh. I think Anboy sets fire right now. Okay. And you gotta get to paint it black or lifetime. Or Armalite. Or Kid Dynamite. Or Kid Dynamite, yeah. So the Jason Shiv 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 connection. 
<laughs> do you want it's the answer? None more black. Or do you want an answer? Yeah, we're not going to figure this. You said this was the right. MC. He so, lied, didn't he? So Dan, Dan I Yeman, said out of the gate that I was going to be bad about this when he was brought up before. Dan Yeeman sings in Pan Black. Pan Black had an EP come out on Fat Wreck. Oh, well. Fat, and then you can get, well, hold on, you could get from you Fat Wreck to against me. You can get to against me from Fat or Fat Mike owns Fat Wreck and played bass on White Crosses. Did you know Fat Mike played bass on White Crosses? No. Well, he but did. Either way, I would have never gone a record route. Well, was, all right. Well. Fat Wreck, then the fest is just as valid. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, all right. Exactly. All right, I agree. All right, you ready for round two? All right. Dan Yeeman, Jake Langley. <laughs> <laughs> they played the fest. No, no, no. I have this sketched out, MC. There's a roadmap to follow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Jake Langley has driven all over your roadmap playing okay. fucking so, shows so, on record top labels of his are, van. Record labels wait, play a part wait. in this too. Hold on, so Danny Amen, okay, to Jake Langley. Jake Langley played in Handguns with Cody Bunce. Cody Bunce played in Bitter Taste with Tommy Na. Tommy Na played in Reignition with me. I played in Reignition with Colby Malone, who played in Praise with Andy Norton. Andy Norton played in Champion. Jesus Christ, I think you're already more than six degrees, bud. I, but. Yeah, but he added himself in as an unnecessary degree. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate like, that. Tommy played in Reignition with me, and I played in Reignition with Colby, meaning... Tommy played in reignition with Colby. With Colby, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But he added but he, so, I know, I like it. I like it. It's a good move. I've played the six degrees of me to other people, and it always starts with me being in reignition and Colby being in praise and with Andy Norton. Andy Norton's right. a good connection because of Champion and what other band was he in? Was he in that hmm. post champion band? Uh was it betrayed? You could also I don't just think use he was Chris a betrayed. Bavaria. From phrase, you can use Chris yes. Bavaria, and then you can use mindset, and that, and then, I mean, defense, and that. <laughs> there's half the East Coast. Well, yeah, I avoided using defang the best I possibly could because that's a. Uh, we could probably do Dan Yeeman and defang and get there fifteen different ways. And credit where credit's due. Lois gave me the roadmap for this. She insisted I use Dan Yuma and Jake Langley and was like, here's how. Well, okay, Painted Black was on Jade Tree, right? He, yes, they had a record on Jade Tree and so did and Kid Dynamite. They also had a record on Bridge Nine, so we could go. Um, Andy Norton was in Champion. Champion was on Bridge Nine. Um, Painted Black was on Bridge Nine. Dan Yeeman to Jacob Langley. Yeah. I had um, I Dan, was in, Dan was in Lifetime. Lifetime released a record on Fuel by Ramen. Fuel by Ramen was owned by Vinny from Less Than Jake. Less Than Jake put out a record on Pure Noise. Handguns released records on Pure Noise. See, if I had known that you could pull the record label card, that makes it so much easier. I don't think that I don't think that's so wild of a card to pull. This will get better next time. Six Degrees of Dan Yeeman 2.0 will be better next time. But I thought that was fun. And Maybe next episode I'll be ready with uh, Who Said It, My Mom or Mom Jeans, because that was a fun game that I really wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, save that for the next one. Oh, right. man. 
<laughs> kind of unrelated, but I posted a quote from my mom on Facebook. It's been over a year now, but I repost it every year and she gets mad at me about it. Um, and basically she said the one day, she's like, she was telling me this story and she goes, and we were in York for a gang fight. I'm not really sure why. And like out of context, that's kind of like the coolest quote my mom has ever said. <laughs> And she made me not tag her in that post so that her Facebook would not be linked to it. But I'm like, Mom, you're like, at that point, she was like in her late 50s. So I was like, Mom, you're like almost 60. What does it matter if people knew that you went to see a gang fight when you were like 16 back in like the 1800s? Or, you know, whatever time it was. Uh, oh, I mean, yeah. no, old no, joke. My no, from mother is being at Wise stocking bread all the time and every time her going... You don't remember me, do you? Like, yes, I remember you. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really good. MC, you said you had a bunch of topics. Uh, no, I kind of have one topic, and it's kind of a rant. I don't like to be all political, but God damn it. Fuck Donald Trump for what he did this week. Basically throwing an axe to any kind of stimulus package that was passed by the House of Representatives. Um I posted this link on Facebook, so and I sent you guys this, so maybe you read it. But involved in this stimulus package was, I'm going to read it verbatim here so I'm not misquoting, the $10 billion bipartisan written Save Our Stages Act that was designed to provide financial assistance to independent music and live entertainment venues across the U.S. This was written by... Uh, who was it? John Cornyn and Amy Klobuchar. 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 Jesus Christ, I am terrible. Let's she ran try for that president. Again. She ran That's for what president. I thought. Um, who did? It was written by John Cornyn and Amy Klobuchar, um, a Republican and a Democrat, and they're throwing $10 billion at the music industry to keep it alive. And that was part of this stimulus package that the House of Representatives passed. Fuck Mitch McConnell, too, because he won't even put it to a vote in the Senate. He says it's dead on arrival. Let him vote on it. You know, right. we've been in bands. I'm sure you've all been in situations like, hey, what do wh where are we stopping? What do we want to do? And we have to say, because everyone's arguing, let's vote on it. Winner take all. Just put it up for a vote. It's not that hard. The thing that really bothers me about this is in this article, they asked 2,600, that's 2,600 independent small music venues what their outlook looked like without this. And 90% of them said, we won't make it without some sort of aid. 90%. Right. That takes that 2,600 What's ten? That takes them down to two hundred sixty. Right. Quick math. Look yeah. out, world. Like that's <laughs> terrifying. I mean, we've already seen locally the Chameleon Club has sold their building. Um, I know all their social media says they're going to reopen somewhere else. Let's put I a pin in that. that. Yeah, let's put a pin in that. I'll circle back to that because Brandon was at my house the other day. I, I believe them. I worry that it won't happen. I do. I believe that they want to reopen, and I believe that right now they still plan on doing it. And the reason I say that is because they have not sold their liquor license yet. And if they did, it hasn't been public. Um, but they, <laughs> um, not to get too inside baseball, 
they have ordered multiple thousands of dollars of shirts from me in the last Good. two weeks. So I think they're fine. <laughs> Good, but but uh, the telltale sign is if that if they sell that liquor license, they're not reopening. The, the, it's just right. Not, it's right. far too expensive in Pennsylvania to acquire a liquor license at this point. Uh, for listeners not in Pennsylvania, our liquor laws suck. Um, if you want to have a liquor license, there are a finite number in the state, let's say 100 for easy math. And anytime somebody buys and sells one, it goes onto the open market. So if Stephen has a liquor license and Justin and I are opening a restaurant and we want to have beer, we need to buy a liquor license. Stephen has the ability to put it on the open market and let the highest bidder buy that. Right now, the gas stations, the grocery stores, the convenience stores that are trying to get into the beer market now that Pennsylvania is allowing that have to get liquor license from somewhere. And they have a lot more money to spend than Justin and I do. Um, Ten years ago, a liquor license was going for $100,000 to $150,000. I know in York County, a liquor license has sold for over half a million dollars recently because Yowza. the big grocery stores, the big gas station chains, the the big convenience store chains are all in a bidding war to get those because again there is only there are only so many liquor licenses and that affects places like the chameleon at some point if the chameleon isn't making money the ownership has to look at the bottom line and say this liquor license is worth 400 to 500,000 dollars does that keep the ownership is that more valuable to the ownership than future profits? Um, and with that, a bar locally here, who I know the owners very well, they own two bars. They sold the liquor license to one of them. And because of the COVID shutdown, they sold last year before this. So they made a little over $400,000 off of their liquor license sales. They paid off the mortgage on both bars, well, the one's not a bar now because they don't have a liquor license, but both business properties and their home, the only reason that they are still able to make a profit off of the bar that is still open doing to-go beer and to-go food is because they don't have a mortgage anymore. And that's, that's a reality for every one of these small businesses in Pennsylvania. I don't know how other states work. I think most other states have much more reasonable liquor laws, but, and I'm getting long winded here, but it's, 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 it's an industry that's going to fucking be decimated, at least in Pennsylvania, probably everywhere else. If this goes on much longer without help and fuck Donald Trump for literally putting this bill as a hostage negotiation saying, I won't negotiate on this, this bill until after quote, I am elected president, meaning He's not going to do it till at least November, and if he loses, this won't right. get negotiated till after January twentieth. Meaning, all of these business has have to go another four to five months before there's even hope of any kind of income, any kind of money being thrown at them to to save them. It, it's terrifying. As yeah. somebody who is, I don't work in the industry. I'd say industry adjacent because I I dabble. I guess is the nice way to put it. It's <laughs> you, terrifying. I know people, you dip your you dip your toes in. Yeah, I know people that are literally losing their livelihoods over this, or they're not losing their livelihoods, but every one of their employees is 
losing their livelihood over it. it it's right. it's terrifying and awful. And the fact that somebody in a leadership role in this country would use this kind of thing as a chip in some sort of sick negotiation is terrible. And I try not to get too political in here because oh, I don't think that's what this is about. I I, I want to have fun and talk music. I don't want to sit here and fucking rant about right. bullshit politics, but it's affecting the music industry. Um, and it's going to affect a lot of communities because, and I've seen these numbers turn around, but if for every dollar that is spent on a ticket to a music venue, like let's use the chameleon as an example. For every dollar that is spent on a ticket to the chameleon, it generates $12 worth of revenue for, for the community. So if I buy a $20 ticket to see some stupid fucking punk rock band play, let's say GBH, because that's one I bought a ticket for recently. We go to see GBH, I spend 20 bucks. That generates $240 worth of revenue for Lancaster. Multiply that by, say, a 1,000 tickets sold. This is a huge fucking loss to the community if these places don't make it through this COVID problem, this so, COVID fucking issue. So I'd, I'd like to say, first off, that the idea that I almost think you're giving Trump too much credit. I don't think that the actual music industry part is on his radar in it's any not, way. It's not, but he's going to use the, the overall bill as a bargaining chip and for that's sure. part of it. And for sure. And you know what? It, it doesn't matter. If if you're gonna do something and it affects twenty things involved in the one thing, you're all the twenty things that are affected. Oh, I, I absolutely agree with you. So now we can all recognize that's terrible. Let's speculate irresponsibly. Could expensive liquor licenses create a new DIY and a new Fugazi style venue music performance over the bar style utopia in independent music or not discuss. It could, but at the expense of small businesses. And that that's really my my issue here is the chameleon isn't the Fillmore where there's one of them in every city on the East Coast. It's right. not the House of Blues. Not a live it, nation it, venue. Yeah, it's not one of these big bullshit venues that gets fucking stained coming through every four months or whatever puddle of mud bullshit that they're funneling into all of their venues that are selling out to like the 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 soccer mom suburban family crowd. Let's put a pin are, in that. The stained still sell out rooms? Yeah, thousand person rooms, not fucking five thousand person rooms. Right. But and coming out of this, we're, those kind of bands are going to be making it big in smaller venues because For they're sure. going to be the bands that all the normies that are like, oh, my God, I haven't gotten to do anything. I haven't been able to go eat out. I've had to wear a mask. They're going to be flooding those venues. And bands that we care about and we cover are going to be pushed out, and they're going to be looking for the secondary or, like, the B and C and D and E markets to play because those like, Hey, I had a radio hit 10 years ago. Bands are going to be flooding the smaller venues when this is all over. As you said that I, my brain went, I think reservoir only played D and E markets. <laughs> they're the best. Yeah. Most of the I, time they're way I, more fun. We played Brooklyn. 
<laughs> we played Chicago. We played Brooklyn, yeah. Chicago. We also played um what was the town in Illinois where we played like the high school party in the basement and you guys drank in the van. Green Castle. Green I was Castle. drinking Sun Kissed. Well yeah, I and, didn't say what you were drinking. I just And honestly, this this directly affects all three of us. I mean mm-hmm. Justin, you're printing probably more shirts than ever right now because that's the only way a lot of businesses can make it. But realistically, the screen printing industry, a lot of bands tour and the only money they make is on T-shirts. So as yeah. a whole, like that sucks for a lot of industries. Um, Steven, so in, a lot of, in a lot of ways, I'm a uh, – sorry, I don't want to cut you off. But in a lot of ways, I'm like a band that's too small to fail, right? Yeah. Because we don't have the giant shop overhead and we like we are printing more than ever because everyone that can't tour or tattoo or cut hair or whatever is selling shirts. Exactly. Um, on the flip side, I know when I worked at the grocery store less than a year ago, um, several people that worked with musicians and bands in New York came to my grocery store to buy food and drinks and supplies for all of their events. Um, JJ, who does Cable House Presents, which, excuse me, they do a lot of uh, acoustic and more like folky kind of music here in York. But they would come and get all of the rider stuff, the the water bottles and the food platters and the sandwiches and the snacks for the bands and for the people working. And, you know, that's not a lot of money, but that's, 200 bucks a week or 200 bucks per event that you know a locally owned grocery store isn't making now does that kill that grocery store no but there's a lot of stuff that's being hurt by that and it it it, it's this is actually an area where if a lot of money is spent at one of these venues it trickles down to the whole community (laughs) yeah one of the only instances where that happens (laughs) yeah well, it's because we're not giving all of the money to one big elite group. It is thrown into a business venture where money is spread out and it is spent. Um, and it's it's just it's really terrifying to think that in a year or year and a half, whenever we're on the other side of this and these things are able to get back to normal, that a lot of the places that you guys have played and that I have played and that we like to go to see bands play may not be there and the only ones that will be left with are those big corporate live nation sponsored or live nation owned venues that just don't feel as fun don't feel like home when you go to see a band play and so obviously i agree with you on all those instances that like smaller venues and small businesses like the chameleon closing is obviously well, you're very moving bad. your hands a lot. You're getting more drunk. It's funny. No, I'm fine. I have coffee, but no, the so... way you were moving your hands. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Stephen, it's been a week. <laughs> I agree with you, MC, that all the smaller venues closing is bad in like a myriad of ways. People losing their jobs, all this stuff. I think that it'll be interesting to see how we come out of this uh, on the other side, because if the only venues that do survive are Live Nation ones, smaller bands that can't play the Chameleon 
will they go back to fire halls and basements and that style of thing? Will we see a small band DIY resurgence because once again, there's nothing to do but this, you know what I mean? Like, does that make sense? No, I I've actually talked about that with several people. And like, I think that's going to come about out of necessity. Um, but I I've seen that and it never lasts long. Like a long running joke when I was younger was the average lifespan of a venue in central Pennsylvania was six months. Um, you, you get a fire hall venue where you can pack a bunch of people in there. Six months later, they're telling you no more. You find a cool record store that has a back room that they'll put a couple speakers and amps in. They get sick of it after about six months. Um, Stats I'm, currently inflated by the Skid Row Garage present. Yeah, like, yeah, that the fact that that's been, well, would have been 11 years this July is just mind-blowing. But that's mainly because doing things illegally is a lot easier when you are a property owner. Um, like dealing drugs. I don't deal drugs, though. That has been accused on... <laughs> what's, what's that fucking site? 4chan? 4chan people accused me of selling heroin out of my oh, yeah. dad's garage. Which, fun oh, fact, man. everyone, I never met my dad. <laughs> Why would he <laughs> sell drugs out of his garage? But whatever. Um, but yeah, <laughs> why, out of necessity... Why are you looking at 4chan? Oh, I didn't. I'm sure that somebody, got sent to him. Yeah, yeah, after the uh, that art collective in was it Oakland or San Francisco burned down when the, like yeah. they were outing a lot of spaces, people were like, "Oh my god, what if they do that to you?" I was like, "I don't think people in New York give a shit that like thirty punk kids listen to a band play in a garage once a week." But somebody went on Q Anonymous said that um, I was selling heroin two kids out of my dad's garage and that's what the skid row garage was so can i, mean, I just say i want to chime in here and attest to the fact that i know from personal experience that screen printing businesses are very backed up right now i've been trying to order these shirts shut up Steven. Shut since up. around march and shut my up. screen printing company <laughs> it still hasn't made them and <laughs> you know so uh, direct your complaint to uh, AppalachianPrinting.net. <laughs> yes, Stephen. Have you tried Appalachian Mountain Printing? I hear they're really good. We are. We are backed up. <laughs> I, I, are you going to back that thing up? I am. Stephen, rest assured, they're in the shop and they're on the schedule. Schedule is subject to change. Yeah, that's what Joe Amsterdam told me. Don't be... <laughs> Oh man, is he talking <laughs> shit? Is he telling tales out of school? God damn it! <laughs> you know what? We'll have that conversation off the air. But <laughs> <laughs> he can be—he can be as rude as he wants. I don't care. Um, <laughs> no, he wasn't rude about it. He told me all about the testicles of every farm animal. Oh, that sounds right. But did he say <laughs> like, "Hey, Justin's been diddling around with my shirts for like a month"? It was the first topic when he showed up. <laughs> Damn it. No, whatever. Whatever. That's why we, can, we, we decided you didn't come to the party because you were afraid of Joe. That's not true. 
Um, all right, without further ado, let's go to the interview of Mike McDermott. Hi, Mike. Hi, Justin. How are you, buddy? Excellent. How are you doing? Good, good, good. I saw you. You have a 717 area code. Are you in Pennsylvania? Yep. Fantastic. That's I, uh, I, I, I'm originally from outside of Philadelphia in Bucks County, and I, but I, my family has a cottage um, kind of um, probably about a half hour north of Clark Summit. Okay. Um, so yeah, like we have a cot, a little cottage on the lake. So up that our and our area code for our phone at the cottage is seven one seven. Oh nice. Uh, I mean, I know. I yeah, I understand seven one seven stretches, you know, for, from here to there. But I mean, yeah, I just was like, oh, I know that area code. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, super cool. Super. Stevens in York, and I'm in Reading. So. Ah, nice Club Unisound. Do that's probably Club Unisound. That's probably before our day. Yeah, yeah, that might be before your day. I'm an old man, so but yeah, that's Club Unisound was in Reading. Uh, you had the um, Airport Music Hall in Allentown. Okay, I remember that. Really good one. Oh man, some really good shows there. Um, yeah, yeah, good, cool, 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 super cool. I had a, one of my first shows was actually at um, Club Unisound in Reading. Oh, nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so you you cool. grew up in Bucks County then? I did, I did. Uh, in, a, in a little town called Yardley, Pennsylvania, um, and I would go, which is right across the river from Trenton, New Jersey, which of course housed the mecca of punk rock music in City Gardens. Right. Um, kind of punk and everything else. It really, you know, I mean, you, when you have like John Stewart as the bartender, anything is kind of possible over there. Um, but yeah, super, super fucking cool. Super, I, I, I know, kind of a real, um, real leave it to Beaver kind of like childhood. Great parents, great family, um, you know that whole thing. So it was real, real nice, real easy, a great upbringing, real, real positive. Parents very uh, supportive of music. So I was going to ask, were your parents musical at all? Did they play? My mother uh, was a pianist, uh, and, or just more played piano, if you will. Uh, but but it was like a choir director, although we weren't uh, like we weren't religious whatsoever. But uh, but she was the choir director, and it was kind of really before my time. I, I was the I was the third child, and I think once they got to me. Everything sort of was like, ah, we did all that, we, whatever. Um, so, I mean, she, um, by that point, she had sort of stopped doing that, um, but still always played. There's always a piano in the house. She always played. She was super musical. Um, my one sister played flute for a little bit. My other sister played guitar for a little bit. Uh, nothing really, you know, it was really kind of like my mom and I. But uh, good time. My mother, my mother made it hell for... Um, probably for all the musicians coming to my house because she, <laughs> she understood music and, and would sometimes fly. And, you know, being the drummer, you can't, um, and being, having supportive parents, everyone, it was, it was easier for people to bring a guitar and an amp to my house than for my mom and dad to, or my dad to lug drums, all my stuff to somebody else's house. 
Oh, for sure. Um, they, 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 they quickly learned that it was, you know, the, the straight off. Yeah. Oh. So uh, but she would flash the lights and kind of ask for a quarter. Can we, we had, we had one, two chords. Can we get a third chord tonight, please? So uh, Mike, Mike, do you remember what made you gravitate towards drums? Did you always play drums? Did you play anything beforehand? Yeah. Um, no, I, I mean, I was a little kid, man. I, um, I mean, I probably had my first, like uh, like Mickey Mouse drum set when I was like three, um, but my mom was like, "You took it so serious." Um, and then I just sort of gravitated towards buckets, and I and I made this kind of. They got me like a practice pad and some sticks, um, and I and then I made this elaborate kind of bucket and can setup. Um, we would kind of go to this family um, pizza place. And there was a, a music store next door when there was like when there was still just mom and pop music stores. And right. this was like this is called A to Z Music in Morrisville, Pennsylvania. And a little storefront in a tiny little strip mall. And when we were done, you know, my my sisters and I would we were kids, you know, parents wanted to have a cup of coffee. And we were like, can we go, can we go next door to A to Z? And they'd be like, yeah, yeah, we'll go, we'll meet you, we'll pay the check and come over. And uh, and I, that that was really it, man. I mean, it was, it, I kind of, I never really, even to now, I still don't really have a desire to play. I mean, I can play a little guitar and bass and a little, you know, I, I understand stuff, but I have no desire. I feel like I still have yet to, like, come close to, understanding the drums at all you know what i mean this so any 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 time i would rather try to be you know the jack off of like this trade than you know you know the master than the jack off rather you know what i mean like i just instead <laughs> yeah, of trying sure. to so i got it I, I was sorry um yeah you got it you know you know a little strike that reverse it um, yeah, I would, yeah, yeah. I would rather just you know try to master this, which again, I, I, I. That's why I didn't say master. I'm still jacking off here. I'm like, so. Um, but, but yeah, instead of being that guy who can play this and a little of this and a little of that, if I spend any time, it's really trying to figure out drums or percussion or electronic drums or. You know, like now, um, you know, I started not long ago, like recording in my house. So that's a whole other medium of like where you put, you know, and everything is, but it's, I just don't have that desire. I just, I, you know, I really have no desire to, to pick up a guitar or to, to do any of that shit. I really just don't. I, and it's sad, but I just don't. I really just want to play drums all the time. So um, did you take lessons at all or were you self-taught? I took lessons for a little, well, I mean, you always had lessons in school. I went through all this, like once, like fourth grade, they formally came in the classroom and they, like they had like the whole week, they were like, okay, Mr. Diverse is going to come in and if you (laughs) want to talk about band, and so, and he would come in and he'd be like, uh, you know, who wants to play this? And he would talk about, tr- you know, horns or, you know, wind instruments. Then he started, you know, talking about the reeds and, you know, clarinets and things like that. And he would show people and who does this interest, you know, and drums, there was like four of us. Then we went out into the hallway and he was like, okay, do this. And he did this like stomp clap thing. You know, it was just like a... <laughs> And he was right, like, okay, right. do that. 
And like, there was only two of us that could do it. And he nice. was like, okay. And he was like, you two. He's like, you, you. and he looked at the other two guys and he was like, he goes, guys, if you really can't do that, he goes, that is the foundation of everything. And he goes, if you can't do that, he goes, it's not something that he goes, try, go home. Now you know what to work on. He goes, come back if you could figure that out. But I mean, right. they were so obviously, uh, you know, just could not get it. You know? And so, so yeah, so that's really, that's it. Fourth grade, that's where I started, started with lessons in school. But again, I never, I never really wanted to do that. Wanted to play to like my sister's Zeppelin records. I mean, I, I, you know, when I had something to learn, I had to learn it. I did that. Um, but yeah, I went, I did that. I went to like one little teacher um, who actually, one of, some kid I went to school with just, and it was on this, you know, the, the World Wide Web or the, the face, the Facebook. Um, said something like, and I can't remember the guy's name, but was like, hey, do you remember Mr. Blah, blah, blah? We were, we took lessons from him for, and I still, and I, now I can't, it, it just, you know, now I'm jacking off again. It's just right out of my head. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I took lessons for a short amount of time, three to six, nine months. Right. Um, he definitely taught me a lot of stuff, but I, you know, then I just sort of moved on. But then I just, then I did all, like I said, I did all the concert band, orchestra, marching band. Um, we had a pretty decent marching band. Um, so I like marched in the tournament of roses parade. I marched oh, wow. at like the, yeah, the Orlando Disney, the California Disney, uh, you, you, all over the place. And the year after me, they went to the Great Wall of China. Um, Holy shit. Did all sorts of cop, yeah, all sorts of competitions. So our band director, um, Mr. Grothman, I, I love you. He he hated me. <laughs> I, we did not get along. I loved my mother. My mother and he like were like the best of friends. And, um, yeah. And, but yeah, but he, again, he was a great influence because he was just very, you know, strict. I mean, so you all, yes, I always kind of had lessons. I'm going to finish up the question. In a <laughs> way. Um, I, um, I, I, yes, I always sort of had that formality of lessons within the, you know, the confines of, of band, of any band thing that you're doing, you know, the, all the, you know, you, cause you have to learn drum charts when you're doing marching bands. So yeah, you're, 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 I'm doing lessons, but it's never something that I wanted to do until probably like six months ago. And then I was like, man, you know what? I really want to take fucking lessons. And so, yeah, now I'm, I'm, I might be on the hunt for some, you know, some old cat who teach me something. I always keep thinking I want to go back to like taking lessons. Cause I, I took them for a while and uh, I, th I think I thought I was, too punk for it at the time because I wanted to <laughs> I remember taking in a no use for a name CD and saying hey I want to learn this song he's like dude you're not ready for that here let's play the Rolling Stones and I was like no I want to play the no use for a name song <laughs> dude I remember the first time I played I like I like Descendants and, and Joy yeah. and like his sick his like 16th I just I had like pains shooting <laughs> up my forearms and I and I mean, but again, that was one of those things where you're like, yeah, that's awesome, you know? Yeah. I mean, you, everybody finds their thing, man. I don't think there's bad music at all. I don't really think, like, you know, you know this music, this music sucks or that music sucks. If, it, if you like it and it's doing its job, if it makes you happy, it made you smile because you wanted to smile or it made you cry because you wanted to cry, then it served its purpose, it did its job. And it's right. Good. 
So you mentioned um, your sister's Led Zeppelin album. Um, do you remember the first? Uh, it doesn't have to be purchased. It could have been something given to you, but the first record or CD or tape or whatever that you considered your own. Um. I mean, you know what, man? I mean, I didn't see see my first. My, I gotta say, like my first purchase, like because I, you know, again, I had two older sisters. My 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 oldest sister Maureen was like my musical mentor, and so I, I had all of her records to sort of and and things that she would give me. But I just had that library to kind of call on. But right. I think my first thing, man, I remember. I was young. My mom went away. My mother went to Europe. And for some reason, the things she brought me back, she brought back two things. And I don't know how the, I mean, I guess I would have to see when Purple Rain came out. But she brought back a beer stein and a boom box. Now, a boom box, a boom box from Europe is on completely different power. So I had no plug. There was no way to plug that in. And I had to rely on rechargeable, six rechargeable D batteries to fucking run this thing. <laughs> God rest your soul. I love my mother. But, but yeah, but it was so, it was a nightmare. But that was the, I had that box. So the first thing that I bought for that that I really considered my own was, was the Purple Rain cassette. Nice. But I mean, I like, but before that, I mean, like, yeah, my sister, I mean, for, all the Zeppelin shit, I mean, probably like, you know, like the Ozzy, like Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Mad Magic. What, because like, I had like those, like my cousins, I had older cousins. So you always had these like outside influences, sort of, you know, and you were sort of just drawing on everything and grabbing as much. You, I mean, you remember like when you first really found music, you just start grabbing everything in your life. Right. You know, it's like walking into a place like something like 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 Willy Wonka and you just wanna when the first time they come into that room and they're so, you know, awestruck. I mean that's that's the sense of music to a lot of us, you know, and you're just you just wanna grab at everything, you know, you're just like it all looks so good that you you know, nothing so but yeah, when you know, when you find it you just sort of but that was really my first one. But lots of records, but I'm I guess that, yeah, I guess that, that Purple Rain probably spawned my first, you know, as a kid. You know? Did, do you remember how you first found punk and hardcore? Did you have, like, uh, that older kid that passed down CDs or tapes or anything? Or uh, We had older, yeah, older brothers. But again, man, you had, like, um, it was it was having city gardens kind of right there. Yeah, and then um, and then and, and it was just like one day I was in, I think I was in like eleventh grade, ten, ten, eleventh grade, and somebody was like, "Hey man, the Exploited are playing over," and I was like, and I didn't really know who the Exploited were. You know, you knew who kind of the Ramones were, um, but I went and you went and so and but walking into City Gardens, like you know, whatever your punk club was, you know, Joe Mocha's, I don't know where you went. Um, but it was like, uh, it, it was, it was, you know, you're just like, wow, um, you feel kind of home, you feel this kindred spirit you and, and then that's when you find the one thing that you really gravitate towards. Um, and so it was really that. And then you know, I, 
they had something every Sunday. You know, there was a, there was a Sunday show, and then once you see that, then you're like, oh wait, and CBS has a matinee, and you're like, wait, so I could go to CBS see a matinee, and then be back down in Trenton at night to see a punk or hardcore show. You know, and it would and you know it would be like. It would be like Agent Orange, Seven Seconds, and Dag Nasty on one bill. And you'd be like, well, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's insane shit that you just, you could not, not go see. I mean, you know, so. So how long did you live in, uh, in Bucks County for? Um, and until I graduated, probably 89, I graduated in 87. Um, so I sort of tooled around, went, went to school a little bit, uh, locally. Um, and then I moved to New York city. Um, um, and that's kind of what started anything up there. Um, I was kind of playing with like a local band and then I caught on with somebody else. Um, and, and the studio that we were in, uh, Todd and Chuck from Murphy's law were rehearsing in. Um, and, and they sort of saw me and they were like, Hey, do you want to do this thing? And then, so I was like, you know, it's Todd and Chuck from Murphy's law. <laughs> and, um, and I was like, Holy shit. And, and, and so I started playing with them. And then next thing you know, they're like, Hey man, Jimmy needs a band like in a couple weeks. And I was like, and they're like, we should just do it. Cause we, they're like, do you, do you know any of the songs? And, you know, you're like a little kid. My jaw's like wide open. I'm just like <laughs> shaking my head. I'm like, yes, uh-huh, uh-huh. I, do. I, mean, I still have the cassette tape. We The first time we played, we the three of us didn't even run the set before Jimmy um, at any of our, because we were in another band called Shining Time. And we just, Jimmy came in. We wrote a set list. I still have the, I still have the cassette. And on side A was the first time we ran the set, and side B was the second time we ran the set. And it's slightly shaky, but I mean, like, I would, I, not that, not that the words, you know, uh, yeah, just Jimmy was just very, uh, you know, comical and and funny with the words. Um, you know, I would, I would probably have uh found more kinship to to uh something Dave Smalley was saying in Dag Nasty. Right. But, um but the music, Todd Youth in particular as a guitar player, just hit me. Uh as I look at two Murphy's Law drum heads in front of me. Um heads that, you know, obviously were mine when I was in the band. But um but yeah, then I, then we started playing in Murphy's Law and doing stuff like that and just and that you know, one of the horn players was uh, King Django uh, from uh, Stubborn All-Stars and Skinner Box and, like, the Slackers. So that kind of brought me fully into the ska world. Um, yeah. So but, what, yeah, I what, mean, was the, um, what was the lineup when you were in Murphy's Law? Who all was in it? Uh, it was me, uh, Chuck Val on bass, Todd Youth on guitar, Jimmy, Jimmy, obviously on vocals, um, and then Danny um, and Jeff from Murph, uh, from uh, Skinnerbox. Okay. Just like a, was like a local ska band in in New York City, but Jeff also had Stubborn All Stars with like Vic from the Slackers and some people. So, but um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, like I got 
that was I mean I, I got all three OG dudes, you know. So Yeah, that's awesome. I, yeah. For, for for me I was fully stoked. I mean, and, and when I I mean cuz there's I mean, you know, we all know that there's been like who has it the the joke is kind of like who hasn't played in Murphy's Law? Right. Um, and I mean, and I mean really, I mean, really, like, I would wouldn't be surprised if you, like two of you were like, I did, I did, because um, <laughs> it just that's just the way it is. I mean, you eventually, you know, I mean, it's it's you eventually. I guess it's like if you're a, if you, and this is a this is a bad analogy, but I guess eventually, if you do bad things, you go to jail. Well, if you're like in the punk or hardcore world, eventually you go through Murphy's Law. You know what I mean? Like right. <laughs> you just you you have to serve some sort of time going through. And I'll tell you what, man. I mean, like that. Jimmy is still one of one of my good friends, and he was such a great mentor. You know, what I mean, did, um... totally off the off the wall. You know, off the wall, crazy bad shit. But can <laughs> actually be so down to earth and real and earnest and loving so anyway sorry you, you did what no we did we didn't ever play in in murphy's law but we did just how long mc and i just played with them like a year ago maybe yeah a year ago in february here in uh oh, well, uh, central pa that's funny my uh one of my best friends uh was there like a left-handed guitar player oh i don't know if i, I know i don't think he was left-handed no uh, well, I mean, well, he, he, I, yeah, he does. Well, I, I might, he might have not been at that show, but one of my, I got one of my best friends um, into that band 10 years ago. Um, and he actually just left not long ago. So I bet uh, if, if you didn't, if, if there, there might've been two or maybe he missed that, that show, but, but yeah. So uh, again, once again, everyone, you know, has been in Murphy's Law <laughs> or, or have played with Murphy's Law. So. There's a lot going on when they play, so I could have missed it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Rodney's not the most dominant figure. He's, you know, he sounds good. He sounds great. He's he's a left-handed kid, and he plays upside down and backwards. Okay. So like, 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 like his uncle handed him a guitar, and he and like, you know, and he was like, uh, this doesn't feel like that's not how I do stuff. You know, like I do with, and so he just turned it over and was like, yeah, that feels right. But nobody was ever like, you got to switch the strings, kid. You know, <laughs> so he, so that's just how he learned how to play. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, he's not a very imposing figure and Jimmy is very dominant as we all know. Um, yeah, for sure. So, so yeah, I mean, Rodney just sort of stays towards the back, does his thing, make sure the riffs are on point and, but um, yeah, man, yeah, everybody has done that. I, you know, been in that band. So, but I, I was, I, I feel super fortunate to have been in with Todd and Chuck for sure. I mean, you know, they. Plus, we, the three of us, were in another band together. Right. Um, so, is that how you met? Was Skinnerbox before, or presumably it was after that, right? So okay, so so this is so I'm gonna go through it here quick. Okay. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna I'm gonna. But this could be. I'm gonna go into dive into Florida in, in a very odd way, which you'll find funny. So, so I did Murphy's Law. Murphy's Law was like ninety, late ninety two, into like ninety four, and then there was a we were a ba- I, there was a band on tour 
that opened up for us at one point and and the really nice guys hung out in the parking lot but they were this like seven piece industrial like hip hop band from South Florida but they were on Atlantic Records they, hmm. and they were called the Collapsing Lungs and so I was still doing Murphy's Law and I get a call to do them and I, you know I mean it's Atlantic Records I'm I'm on, I'm in Murphy's Law so I was like, oh, I'll, you can fly me down. So I flew down to South Florida to Fort Lauderdale, um, and I started to do that band, um, and that was like 95 into 96, and we did all sorts of um, – the, then Collapsing Lungs collapsed. It became <laughs> The Lungs. Um, we, 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 switched, we switched labels entirely. We lost a singer. Actually, actually, I moved. They, I moved down here. I move in with the singer. The singer doesn't come to practice one day, and they go, "Hey, McDermott, we're gonna kick this him out." And I was like, "What? I live with him. I just <laughs> moved in. Like, I just fucking moved down here, and I live with him." And they're like, "They're like, is that gonna be a problem?" And I was like. No, I get I, I and there and then hold on, this gets better. This gets better. Then they go, When you go home later, could you tell him? <laughs> now now that if that isn't bad, it, what's even worse is that he started all of it. He used to play bass in Marilyn Manson when oh, Marilyn Manson shit. first started. So this dude started this thing. So I go home and I'm like, hey, bro, they don't want to play with you anymore. And he was like, yeah, he's like, fuck them. He's like, we've been having problems even before you came down here. And then he was like, if you want to still play with them, you can. And I was like, so I sort of got out of it. I was like, I was like, yeah, I, I, maybe, uh, you know, I mean, you can't really be so enthusiastic. Like, wow, you. You let me off the hook so easy. <laughs> um, but I still, I still felt so bad, you know what I mean? But, it, but again, so anyway, I did that for a bunch of years. We did, we did a whole bunch of like then, – uh, then, then when I really knew it was time, um, House of Pain, it was like House of Pain was ending, and they were doing like a St. Patty's Day weekend, and it was like Jacksonville, Orlando, Fort Lauderdale, Tampa, some crazy thing. And we, and, and, and mind you in Fort Lauderdale at that, in Florida at that time, we were in Fort Lauderdale, but Lib Biscuit was in Jacksonville. Nice. And we played, <laughs> and we played together and we were friends. We did, we both went on that House of Pain weekend. And they came out of that weekend with DJ Lethal. And because DJ Lethal had like House of Pain was over. DJ Lethal was like, I got nowhere to go. And how and, and Limp Biscuit was like, come here. And as soon as that happened, I was like, okay. Like, cause there was really gonna be one of us leaving the state. And it was that way. I mean, we kind of had a deal, they had a deal. And it was like, who's gonna do something? Um, and then once they got, once they got DJ Lethal, dude, it, I, I literally, I think I got in my car and I just drove back north. 
and, then, and which, which, which then brings me right to your question. Then I drove right to Skinnerbox. Uh, okay. I literally, seriously, I literally drove right to Skinnerbox. I drove back north because I was like, man, I'm not gonna. Not that I'm not in it, but we had we had like a severe lineup change. They obviously won the fucking war. They were <laughs> leaving the state. We weren't really going to leave the state, you know, so much. I mean, we went on tour, but it was kind of like, you know, it was after that, it was like they were the ones. I mean, we could have been, you know, we probably could have caught some second wave shit. And right. like after and and but yeah, I again I, I mean I like hip hop. I don't really like yeah, and we weren't really B boy shit. It was kind of better than that. So it was cool. I, I was you know, but it was it was again, it was just a chapter. So I drove right to up north, Django, the King Django who was in Murphy's Law with me. Um just you know, we all we were always friends. Um and I you know, just hey, I'm back north and he was like, Yo, you should come play for my band. And that really then started my foray into everything New York's New York Sky and Reggae. So I did I did that. I did uh, Stubborn All Stars. I did Slacker shows. I did Buford Sullivan shit. Uh, it's uh, ironically enough the only thing that I didn't do out of New York was the Toasters, which <laughs> bucket which bucket I saw. I guess probably one of one of my last we were like uh, maybe Gros Rock uh, festival, and I was with uh, with with the Souls and um, and Bucket. You know, we we were always friends, and he came up to me in the in the in the beer tent afterwards. He's like, "Hey, mate." He's like, "Write your write your number down." He's like, "I think you're about the only drummer's not played in my band yet." <laughs> and, uh, and and but and again, that never came to fruition. But it was I thought that was funny. I was like, "Yeah," I was like, "I need to." File that under. I mean, I did Mephiscopheles. I did every so, it, uh, and Meph actually, I was in for a while. Meph was, I, I love Meph, um, and they're still still my good friends. But um, but yeah, that that's that went in. I drove from here right to there, started right into Skinner Box, and uh, so that was like the summer, like '96, going into like '97. Summer of 97, I don't know how old you guys are, but summer of 97 was like the fucking third wave coming in. Um, so ska was huge. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you anywhere you went, I mean, even if you were, like, we would go out to California, um, and, you know, even if you were playing in, a, like, a high school gymnasium, it was, like, packed. You know, you, you play, there was, like, this thing called the Penn State Ska Fest, and dude, it, you, I, I don't know if you could get bigger. It was, yeah, I mean, you were just always like, you know, when you were, cause you did it like every other year, you didn't want to do it every year, but, um, and you're just like, wow, cool. We're, we're doing the fest again. It was, and it was just, it was kind of like, I'd like probably like Gainesville fest is right. punk rockers. You know what I mean? Like, it was just one of those things where you're like, we got to do the fest. Um, so yeah, man, so, summer. And that lasted, um, up into, probably like 99 going into 2000 and then like uh january of 2000 i joined the bouncing souls so were you still well were you still in methoscopheles and you left for the souls or was it like a was there a downtime in the middle there 
no, I, I, no, I went right from meth right to this, right to the souls. Um, funny enough, I played in because I lived in Philadelphia, and uh, it, there's a club. There was a club called the Trocadero. Yeah, and yeah. meth. It, it was. Um, I don't remember who it was, but it was like the last three. It was. It was of the night. Was like meth, H two O, bouncing souls. Nice. And so I watched. Um, up in, and 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 I was like, God, it was it was just it would it would happen to be Shal's last show with the Souls, and wow. and he was he was going. There was just a lot of inner turmoil within himself, within the band. Um, that was very reflective on stage. Uh, you could see it. Uh, you could feel it. Um, it it was real. You you didn't know it was happening, but I mean, I wasn't. I'd always seen the souls around. I wasn't always the biggest souls fan. Um, but, but I, I, I like those dudes. I love them. Um, and that night I was specifically like, God, this band is awful. <laughs> like, they're, they're, they're horrible. And I, I mean, I was, was looking at my friend and, and he was like, I, and I was like, I don't, it, you can, again, you can clearly see, you, you know, when the drummer is having a problem, I mean, I didn't, again, I didn't know the, to the severity of problem he was having, the level, but, but I, you could sense something was wrong. You, they, you could sense they knew something, something was wrong. Uh, and again, I, I came to find out like a lot of, you know, there was a lot of shit that happened even in the afternoon and, and that was, you know, obviously going to be his last show. Um, yeah. but yeah, but then, so then, yeah, then I, um, but there was a drummer, the first drummer in Mephiscopheles was this drummer called Mike Reich. And he did the first record. And Mike Reich is a great guy, but Mike Reich isn't really a great drummer. Okay. And so yeah. when I, when I got a, when I got a call, I, I, my friend was like, Hey man, the bouncing souls are looking for a drummer. You should call this number. And it's funny because they, they had a rehearsal space in Brooklyn and it was back when you had answering machines. So they literally just had a number with an answering machine. And they said, they, I mean, those dudes, man, they said they got some fucking great calls. They were like, yo, this is Louie from Queens. Yo, I got fucking drums. Let's go. Let's do this. <laughs> um, but, but so, like, they said they really, they got some of the funniest fucking calls. Um or guys that were like, hey, I don't got fucking drums, but yo, I would love to do this. Um, <laughs> but so I, I, I called and I was like, hey, this is this is Michael from Mephiscopheles, blah, blah, blah. And um, I I was I got the dubious distinction of having Pete call me. They they divided it up. It was either Pete was going to call you or Brian was going to call you. Uh, Pete called me and he was like, hey, he's like, hi, this is Pete. I was like, hey, how you doing? He's like, hey, quick question. He's like, are you the Michael that played in Mephiscopheles with us at the truck recently? Or are you the Mike who did the first meth record? And that was literally the first question he asked me. And I was like, and I knew exactly what he meant. I knew exactly what he meant. I tried to crack up just like, and I was like, no, no. I was like, that's good though. I was like, no, I'm the, I'm the dude you just saw at the show. And he goes, awesome, awesome. He goes, he goes, cause I was sitting on the stairs watching you going man i wish that guy was in my band that's and, awesome um, and and so yeah so then that started the thing and um yeah and then i had, I had to learn a couple songs but I, I they wanted me to learn four songs 
I had a good friend who, and all my friends were like, you know, ska dudes. And so some of my friends were, uh, you know, in the slackers. So I was like, what? And they slackers were on Hellcat, which was kind of epitaph. I was like, hey, what bouncing? And then, you know, you get when you're always, you used to get all the bands, you, know, you used to just get CDs, free CDs. And so I was like, hey, what bouncing souls records do you have? I, I need to borrow them. And um, I could only get three out of the four songs. And then I went to this record store, this cool record store that I used to go to, Positively Records. And they had a Bouncing Souls record, but it was like seventeen ninety nine. And I was like, what if I don't get in this fucking band? I was like, well, one song. I was like, I'm not spending 20 fucking bucks. I was like, I already got to spend gas, tolls, parking, <laughs> all that shit. There's, so I literally learned three out of the four, but then I learned another song that I liked. And like, it, like and, and in hopes that if they were like, what, dude, it was four songs, I could be like, well, I learned Chunk song. And, you know, they'd, then, uh, then they'd be like, well, that was not one of the required songs. Um <laughs> But yeah, yeah, it was that, and then that, that was, that, I mean, those, that really, in learning those three songs, or four songs, um, <laughs> that, that, that became my, my love for the Bouncing Souls was kind of formed right there, because I sort of had never, you, you know, you sort of hear them, they're, they're playing in a place you're sort of at, or you're, you're but I never really watched them, um, but in, again, in having to like sort of chart the songs for my own learning and, and trying to figure it out, um, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was, uh, that's really when I loved it, you know? I mean, one of the first songs I had to learn was Hopeless Romantic. And oh, I was, was going like, to ask, wow. do you remember what the three songs were? <laughs> um, Hopeless Romantic, I want to say Cracked, and um, is it, it often maniacal. Oh, shit. But then I learned Choke Song off of the self-titled as well because I like that guitar riff. And and the riff on um, in Hopeless Romantic, Shao didn't really sort of, like when it got to the chorus, it just sort of flows. And you and it was just like, you should just sort of open up on the ride or like a, a like a crash and just sort of shush it and, ride, and play with the guitar, you know, just sort of play along the, with that wave. And right. so before we went to do that, I was like, hey, man, I was like... Can I can I just play with you? Like when we get to the chorus, can I just be like, I'm a hopeless romantic, you know, like kind of play with you? And he's like, and he and Brian kind of looked at each other and they were like, yeah, try that. And I <laughs> and like and, and and Pete was like, that was like the, his sealer because he was like, they so I just shout. I mean, shout had just a just sort of more of like a like a rugged you know feel to his to his shit, you know. For sure. Yeah. I mean. We're just we're just different drummers. We just are. It's like, you know. Um, so, it, it just and uh, I think Pete was just like wow, and you know, that's just sort of complimented his thing. It just you know, it wasn't a detractor from his riff. You know, it just sort of let his riff kind of shine more. And that I just sort of felt like I I once that happened, I asked if like you know with other things and anything like that, you know, I could that I could do. I sort of did that to compliment them. Um, you know, Brian always wanted somebody who could play like a fucking fast, hardcore punk beat. Right. So like, you know, like shit like that song, stuff like that, where shall like might not have, you know, 
been able to like do stuff like that or to do it in his way. But, you know, so I just, you know, things like that, man, I just tried to, you know, again, play my role. I tried to stay in my lane. It was a band that was like already established. So I wasn't trying to, you know, come in and be like, yeah, I just wanted to sort of like give them, you know, good anchor or a good support system. Cause I just sort of, when I, when I, again, I remember watching the show at the truck and I was just like, God, man, I mean, we all know if, if, if your drummer sucks, it, then your band sucks. It, it just, it just, that it's unfortunate, but that is just the way, you know, if yeah. your drummer sucks, you know, like it's, and it's really like, if the foundation of your house sucks, your house is going to suck or that building is going to collapse. Like it's, that's just what we are. And it's like, if that sucks, it's going to crumble and it's going to be weak. It's going to sound that way. It's going to feel that way. Um, so, yeah. And I just tried to do that and just, you know, and give them that plus, you know, as you know, as I, it was Scott at that point was really on the tail end, man. It was like that, it was really by the end, by the end of like summer of 99, you were really like pushing it. You know, you really were those, those first couple of years, like you were, you steamed 97 was wicked. 98, you kind of steamed through 99 was a little tough. You could tell that you were getting a little farther away from the beach. You weren't really <laughs> surfing that wave in that third wave anymore. You, you were washing out to sea. <laughs> and um and and uh, it was, it was the, yeah it was time to just go and and, and you know and I, I like to just I like to just do different shit and that was you know again I didn't know I was going to spend 14 years there um but it, you know it was cool it was I, I, I still love those guys I mean I talk to those guys all the time so so looking back I obviously as someone who plays drums this those first Bouncing Souls records, like Maniacal through Hopeless and even The Good, The Bad, and The Argo are some of my favorite records, but I always struggled a little bit with them because the drums were never like, like there's a reason Hot Water Music and Propaganda are two of my favorite bands. Oh because yeah, of, man. Because of the drums, but when Summer Vacation came out and then like Anchors Away, it was just like a whole different kind of vibe that, uh, I don't know. It it changed the whole kind of like, I don't know, demeanor of the band. I don't know. Yeah. No. No. That, it, I. I. Again. I. I like shout, but I always thought like, and if you if you listen back to any of those um, songs from those records live, if you like, you know, you uh, there might they might be I might be playing them a little too fast at points, depending upon what year you're watching. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, there was a point of overplaying. I think we've all gone through a point of overplaying. Um, yep. <laughs> but um, but it but it was it was more just like again trying to play those parts like that, like complement the things, like keep the flow. That band is so flowy. You know what I mean? Like that it really is. I mean, I don't know how Greg did all the hat and cane tricks and shit. Like the, the shout. <laughs> it was so he, he was so crazy. I mean, again, I, but that I'm with you. That's where there's bands that that I'm the same way. Where I don't, I don't really want to. They're actually, you know what? They're they're I, like the first, like those records, those Souls records that you speak of. You know what? I would classify those. I would classify those into like albums that I would listen to, 
but albums I wouldn't want to like play draw. Like I don't know if you guys like put on just albums and play to them. I'm sure you right. Know. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Like like that. Like they're not albums I would want to put on and play to because it you you're almost like that's not how I play. I don't I don't I, you know again he he that's why shall shall. That's why some people, but I mean, there, you can, there's a, there's something about digging into a fucking George Rebello riff, you know, like, you know, and like, and grooving along and like feeling like you almost kind of have it, but you right. don't because it's, because it's <laughs> fucking George. And, but you, you can sort of, you can play to it because it, it lends, it has that good kind of feeling. Again, that's where Shell was just a little more rigid and sort of, you know, like, oh, and you just, you wanted to just sort of be like, nah, bro, just get on the horse and just ride. It's like, yeah. just get it, get it, get it a nice gallop and just fucking, you know, but yeah, that's, uh, yeah, um, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like, um, um, Brooks, when Brooks got into Bad Religion, I love Bobby. And it was funny, man. Like Bobby just had, I, I, I don't know if you ever, if you follow Bobby, but Bobby's been like posting shit maybe in the last year. And he's on some like weird Alesis electronic <laughs> kit or something weird in his garage. You can see it's like, it's not even a cool place to play, but he's like shedding. And he's like doing like these insane doubles and triples like all around the kit. And again, it's on like a it's on a rubber kit, so doubles and shit like that, we you know are way easier and stuff. You just you can you know, electronic kits you can kind of get away with it sounding a little cooler. But he, I was listening to him this morning, and I and I and my girlfriend looked over and I went, "That's the that's the original Bad Religion drummer," and she was like, "Oh, why did he leave?" And I went, <laughs> "Was it was because of a shoulder thing?" But I don't hear no shoulder thing here. I mean. But it's kind of that, like when Brooks took over for Bobby, where you were like, oh, you know, like, yeah, for, yeah. And for sure. Bad, and bad, I mean, dude, I liked bad religion, but then I started to love bad religion. And right. it's just, and that, I mean, I, I, like a, you know, a fan to, to the point of where I was a little nervous. With Ken, I want with with Jamie. I was like, I wanted to know that it was gonna be the the thing. It was still gonna have that thing. And um, I think fucking Jamie sort of encompasses the best of Brooks and the best of Bobby. And he kind of adds all. And where you're like, Brooks kind of got a little crazy. <clears throat> if we're gonna talk about overplaying, where you're like, <clears throat> I mean, you're like when you were like, wait, is there double bass on that? You're like, wait, is this a bad religion record? Did he just go like? Did he just do a fill with his feet? Um, but that you, it sounded right, you know. And you were like, that's red. Um, so yeah, it was like for me, that's you know, for you, you, you comparing that, that's like Brooks, you know, taking over for Bobby. I, I just, I, I dug that man. But um, yeah. When uh, yeah. when uh when you joined, was there any kind of conversation about? writing songs a different way or did that come naturally? Cause I think that, I mean, obviously, like you said, the drums are the foundation of the house, but there's a pretty distinct style shift, I think from the Shaw records to your records. I don't know if you agree with that. Oh no, totally. Um, I think that was more, 
You know what? I mean, I don't know. Pete and Brian are like they're 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 like two heads, one brain. Um, and so I don't know whether they had a thing. Um, but the three of us, like when I got in that band for like the first, um, well, I mean, we, I got in that band in January and we, 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 so I rehearsed, we rehearsed a lot, but just not, we didn't write stuff. We just rehearsed stuff because I had, we had four shows and then we had to go to Australia. Um, so that was, yeah. So you kind of like really throw, you know, when you go, you usually go on tour and I knew how to tour and they know how to tour. So that, that's a really good, you know, baptism by fire though, where you just throw the guy in the deep end and you're like, here, let's go. And you know, then what the person's made of or what they're not, you know, if they're worth it or not. Um, but when we went to write that summer, um, the three of uh, me, Pete and Brian, we had, there was a space in Brooklyn, uh, in Dumbo down under the Manhattan bridge. And, um, we would get together every day and, and just write stuff. And we kind of had a crude way of recording stuff and, um, and just did, a, and, and just worked and worked and worked and worked and wrote a bunch of shit and they would just write, but you know, I mean, it was, it was, again, it was like stuff. It was, it was new for them. So that this is probably a question for them i we did not have a discussion like it was just more though you know pete would start to play something or brian would start to play something and i would just follow along and could play i mean because i've kind of done everything so i you know you know could play all sorts of shit and so they would just it, it was just easy for them to i think you know go more with what their influences were where they kind of wanted to be um, and I just sort of accompanied that, but yeah, I don't, I mean, again, I don't know whether they had an actual conversation of, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm sure like, you know, Brian was like, dude, we can totally write more hardcore songs now. <laughs> Cause that, that was, that was really always the way. I mean, it was like, Brian always wanted like faster and harder and P was like, no, let's do. And then we would, you know, more melodic. And, and then, so, and then you had Greg, who was just kind of like, wait, and, then in the middle and, <laughs> and so it's just yeah. yes everyone has a distinct voice they <laughs> and when you do them it's almost required that you do their voice their that said voice um they, those guys they have voices man so if they were doing like this you would hear my voice my voice sounds like this no <laughs> that's, that's the mcdermott voice if they're like you know they'd be like no no go play right no, hold on. We have to smoke some pot and talk about it. Um, <laughs> uh, that that would be that would, if Peter Bryan were doing this, that would be them doing me. Um, but yeah, man, um, it was it was it was just fun. I mean, again, it was I was come I was a hardcore kid. I mean, you know, coming out of Murphy's and and I did I know I had done like Murphy's. I did Warzone. Um, I just did all sorts of shit within that realm, being that kid, um, and so not doing that for a number of years and going into that whole nether world of Florida and, and that other thing, and then coming and doing Skinner box and the whole Scott thing. It was cool to kind of get back to like, you know, playing, you know, just playing some rock and roll, so to speak, you know, um, 
And so I just gave it was fun. It was just and it was just easy. It was fun. Those those first two records are are some of the greatest memories I have of being in that band. Um so yeah. Some of the cool shit for sure. Yeah, because if uh like I said, if there's a distinction between the eras, Anchors like puts a period on that because Anchors Away is a pretty dark, wild record compared to some of that early stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure. For sure. It it was that two thousand three was definitely a darker period in, in the in the bouncing souls for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean you had a lot of you had a lot of lot of loss, so to speak. I mean, from 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 Keeneland having a loss um in, in a in a girl to my mother. Um yeah, yeah, you just had a lot of you had that was the two thousand three was the year of loss for sure. You guys came out of it on a pretty bright note on the gold record though. Dude, you know <laughs> I, I I it's funny, I listen, I just I'm a, so the gold record, man. Ha! <laughs> So the gold record. So so Ted Hutt, wicked producer Ted Hutt, crazy crazy English Ted Hutt. Um, <laughs> but that was early on in Ted Hutt's foray into producing. Um, he had done some stuff, but like we were we were pretty early in his thing of doing stuff. Um, and he had just some wild ideas, which uh, that record like. So I, we, we did it at uh, Sound City, which was super cool. Because, um, you know, that's, it's, it's, that's such a famous place that, you know, so that was in itself was super cool, except for the fact that you could, there's like, you know, the Bud place over there, whatever. So like the, the hops, the smell of like beer and hops was like horrible. Um, but, <laughs> but, um, it, but that, so, we did. I, I did rec. I did drums in there for four days, five days, um, and only because. And I didn't know. I I didn't know anything that I did. I I I I I thought that we had done pre-production. We obviously had not done pre-production because I I would get like a verse and a chorus in and Ted Hutt would come out and go, okay, great. Okay, stop. Okay, now this time do this from this part to this part. And I'd be like, what? He'd be like, okay, here we go. And and I would play, but I would be like, and so that record to me, it's odd. I just feel like everything was done in a in a series of parts. Okay. Yeah. You know, like like whereas whereas like the first two records, like for me, that shit was on tape. Right. And so my parts, they were like they were they span they from here to here, and and I didn't fuck up in from here to here. And if I did, we went back to here. Yeah. And did the whole motherfucker again until that shit was perfect. Um, and I don't I can't remember whether we did tape on the gold record. Because I was just so out of my mind, dude. <laughs> like literally, and then and then and and and, and, and we don't. I'm, I'm not, I don't really do drugs. I, I smoke a ton of weed. But <laughs> the last day, 
of that, Johnny Madcap came. They were going to go to punk rock bowling. I was going back to Greg's house in California and then going to fly out the next day. Johnny Madcap brought a whole grip of cocaine to the <laughs> studio, but to take to Las Vegas. But it was like the last day, so we so we did a little bit. I, mean, I didn't do a bunch. I mean, I'm not Scarface, but we did a little bit. But, but, but also, but hold on, also that day, they it was it was they it was like the first generation of Guitar Hero got delivered. So we had been playing Guitar Hero all day. I was playing Guitar Hero to infect it. Fucking high. When I look over and and Brett Gerwitz is right there. And but I'm playing Guitar Hero to his song, and I, and I, but I'm a little, you know, I'm, you know, like I'm super stoned. I'm a little, you know, little, little jazzed up, little jazzed up. <laughs> yeah, let's talk, let's call it jazzed up. Yeah. Little jazzed up. So you look over and the dude, you know, you're like, you're having this like, uh, like, like, huh? Like, are you kidding? Are you a figure of a mic? You know? And he was like, wow, that's cool. And I just sort of instinctually took off the the guitar and put it on him, and I never saw him again. He maybe I, maybe he wanted to know how it started again, and I maybe there I feel like, but I still can't remember that. But I feel like there had to have be like a brief tutorial, like and just do this, Brett, and then you just. If you want to go back, just just hit, hit just hit it again. Just do it again. And he was like, cool. And then I like went back into the studio. All my shit was kind of wrapped up. I just made sure I grabbed my shit. I got in my rental car and drove to Greg's house not too far. I went out again. I wasn't too jazzed up. Um, <laughs> and then flew out the next day. And I was really like, I have no idea what I did the last five days. But it culminated with being all jazzed up playing Guitar Hero and looking over and seeing Mr. Brett there and being like, wait, what? What? Wait, hold. Yeah, so the whole thing was very surreal. Um, so that, to me, that's the gold record. That sums up the gold record right there. That's, I don't recall laying down any drums because they all seemed like they were bits and pieces. Yeah, and 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 then it and then it ended abruptly with Guitar Hero and jazz and and Gerwitz. So the irony and, isn't lost on me that there's a song called the Pizza Song, and last Friday, when we postponed, you had just ordered a pizza. You know so, what, my my <laughs> girlfriend. It was funny. My girlfriend. So I'm I'm in. I have a drum room in my house. Okay. So I'm in my drum room. It's like 8.24, 8.26. She's like, hey, do you want to get pizza? <laughs> now, in my now in my brain, I, I'm still playing songs, and I'm going to stop soon and get ready for you. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, uh. But at the same time, I had a hankering for pizza. 
and we have not ordered. We have not ordered out. We have we we have been super good. We've been like literally we've quarantined, like super quarantined. We we did a lot of stocking up. Um, we don't even go to the store anymore. I do like Instacart. We're shipped. Nice. Um, stuff like that. I do go out a little bit um, and, and fully mask up. Just, but I just want to be, you know, I do my due diligence. I don't want to be an asshole, you know, and, and add to the problem. Um, so we have not ordered out. So her saying, hey, do you want to order out? All I could think was, is this, I was like, oh, Uptown Pizza. I can, <laughs> you know, and, I, and we can get garlic rolls. And, you know, and all this, it, it all just came into my brain and then started that whole, and then when you were like, and so we get, just got home, I'm sitting on the bed and I'm having that slice and I'm like, God, this is so good. And I'm like, I got to go in there. I got to go in there. And I like look over and she's like, I mean, my girlfriend is like five, nine, 110 pounds soaking wet, 120 pounds in pretty good shape. And can fucking put away some fucking food. <laughs> like, like, you know, I mean, has a hollow leg. She's skinny for a reason. And, and I was like, this shit's going to be gone. This <laughs> is going to be gone. I'm going to go in there. Steven said this is like an hour at least. Like, this is, this is going to be gone. Like, and so when you were like, hey, I was like, no, we can easily postpone this. Like, do another day for sure because I may not get this pizza again. So yeah, so, no, thank you for that. Thank you for allowing me to postpone. I was totally okay with it because I think I went to bed like as soon as I got home from work. <laughs> Sometimes that happens, man. Sometimes you come home and you're just exhausted. It's like, okay, I'm done. Yeah, I'm for done. sure. So what's your coronavirus mask? Um, I have this, I don't know. I mean, I ordered this, it's kind of one of those where it hooks her over the ears um, and it kind of black kind of has a, like a slip in filter inside and it kind of has one of those little ports on the outside. So no um, cool, like designs or like you didn't take like a Murphy's law shirt and tie it around your ears. No, no. I mean, so I used to be a house painter. Okay. Um, I mean, being, you know, being a musician, you know, there was, you, you need to have some kind of trade. So before the souls and then there was even like a year we had like a crazy weird like 95 um and i and it just sort of and i have a friend who owned a paint place and and I, he'd be like come paint with me um so but i like and so i still had paint stuff before then anyway i still and i paint when i you know move into places so i have all paint gear i have from drop claws down to rubber gloves to masks in case if I'm spraying shit, um, so I had all that shit at my at, at my at my space, and I just I just went there and we grabbed masks and stuff like that. Um, my girlfriend's a stylist, so she kind of had these kind of black like what are what are like you know would be those doctor masks, yeah, black because she's a stylist, um, and so we used those until we got these. And I have some actually like sporty, sporty ones coming. Um, we just, the Blackhearts just did a, like I, you know, we did like a photo thing where it was, we all took um, like, uh, you know, Blackheart bandanas and we put them over our faces. Like that was our mask. Um, cool. So, yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's more, I, I don't really go out really. So, you know what I mean? And I'm not, right. I don't know. I'm not what, 
I, I ride my bike a lot, um, but I don't really feel like I have to have a mask on for that. And then I also kind of ride like on trails, like away from people, you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm at literally not around anybody. So I feel like I don't really, you know, at that point, I don't really need to have a mask on. Yeah. I don't think, I, I mean, if you're riding, unless someone's in a sidecar with you, I don't, <laughs> you know. yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, literally, I'm literally riding around the basin of this like huge lake, like, up, like little North of here. Which is, and there's nobody, it's, I think it's like a, actually Lake Okeechobee, I think is like, is uh, the fourth largest uh, lake in the world, or maybe in the United States. One of those two is correct. Right. And I don't, um, but so it's a pretty big fucking lake. Um, but you can, you can surf, you know, there's a, there's a, like an access little trail around the whole, you know, top. Um, and so, but no, there's ne- never anybody on that. Why? I have no idea. Cause it's wicked to do. Um, or I go down to the Everglades and there's a super cool 15 mile loop. It goes, you know, like that. I have a fixie. I'm not like one of those. Um, there's a lot of like bike douches down here, um, <laughs> in Florida. And, um, it's, it, it's hysterical, man, because like they'll be riding, I mean, packs, dude, like it, like, like, it's fucking hell of the West. I don't know if you know any, like, I mean, I know some bike shit. So it's, like, so to see all these dudes, all these, like, douchey rich dudes in fully, like, head-to-toe gear. <laughs> but there is, but you're at, like, zero elevation, okay? Like, you're riding on the beach, the road next to the beach. There is, the only way that you're going to get a hill is to go up over one of these bridges over the intercoastal waterway. And that's the only hill that you're going to fucking get. Right. But these douches fly <laughs> in, in packs. Like it's a fucking, like they're like in a race. And like, and I, I just, I, it's Florida. I, and I'm a, <laughs> I'm a pixie. So I, so I'm in like a bathing suit and like no shirt. <laughs> and like and like there'll be packs of dudes like stopping it and like we'll be coming up on a light but you're clearly there's a whole side of the road that like and that's for us bike you know a bike lane and they're like adamant like you have to stop <laughs> and um in my but i'm like i'm from philly which is why i have a fixie which is why you don't fucking and when you're on a fixie you don't stop you you stay on your fucking pedals at the intersection, and when there's no fucking cars, you fucking go. <laughs> and so that's just what I'm used to. And these dudes are like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "Going. I'm on a bike. If I wanted to stop at the red light, I'd get in my Jetta. Like like you're gonna pass me in a minute anyway, guy. Don't worry. Like you're out. You know those. You definitely need those tight pants right now." Because the wind is going to hold you back. Like, but yeah, so there's all these bike douches in South Florida that it's just hysterical. You're fully just like, dude, this is not hell of the West. This is not Tour de France. Tour de France. <laughs> yeah, there's no Lance. Like, but they're all Lance Armstrongs, dude. Seriously, they like literally. And you're just like, oh my God. Well, you know, it's like $10,000 bikes, $4,000 outfits and shit. You're just fully, yeah, fully. And if any of you guys ride bikes and have those outfits, you can because you're in Pennsylvania where you fucking have hills and mountains <laughs> and things. 
<laughs> nah, man. I don't I have think, a, yeah, that's not none of us. <laughs> I, I have a well, friend no, who wrote Pixies up mountains, and that was terrible to watch. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what I mean. Like that's so. But if anybody's listening, has is like I ride bikes. I, I <laughs> you are probably fine. You're not in South Florida. If you are just riding like around your cul-de-sac, you don't need that outfit on. It's kind of like having a mask on in your car. Yeah. It's kind of like having it's kind of like having a condom on when you're in your bed alone. It's like it's it's not needed. None of it. None of it's needed. None of it is needed. Like just smart and fuck up, people. Smart enough, anyway. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Perfect. So I I, w- I don't want to get too far ahead because I want to get into um, leaving Bouncing Souls and Joan Jett and everything. But MC, what year was Key West? Um, it would have been 2017, 2016. Michael, do you remember going to Key West in 2016 or 2017? You played on a, a cruise ship down there with the Blackhearts, and uh, yep. your girlfriend wasn't allowed to get on the boat, and uh, I ran into her at the smallest bar in Key West, and you came in later <laughs> as we were sitting there drinking and just bullshitting, because being from Pennsylvania, she was like, oh my god, my boyfriend's from Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I totally remember that, and I got back to the room. And I, and I, and yeah, dude, I call and she's like, honey, I mean, you know, you were, you were there. That's probably, that is like, that, that's her voice for that night. And you know, cause you were there. Yeah. I mean, she was, she was the fucking mayor of that bar. By the time I got to that, no matter who you were, there was like her, were, were, were you one of the other two? It was like three people. Were you one of the other three pe- like people with her? Yeah, yeah. I sh- I was walking down the street and she yelled, "Come drink with me!" And I was like, uh, "That's what I'm here to do." So I walked across <laughs> the street into the smallest bar in Key West, which was like a breezeway between two buildings with a tarp over top that they set up a bar in. And I sat there and drank, and we yelled at people the rest of the day. Yeah, yeah. You so you know? Yeah, she was that. You know, it's funny. I bet you she's got pictures. I bet you she's got, I'm going to find out and I'm going to, if I, if she's got pictures, I'm going to send them to you. But so, you know, so yeah, by the time I got there, she was like, honey. And yeah, and then I think, yeah, I think we all got hammered there. Yeah. The the last thing I I remember clearly of that night is, uh, we were on a hotel roof bar at some point later. Yeah. Okay. I think so. I don't yeah. even know if I remember that, but I feel like I do. <laughs> I I got I got I I I don't want to say I blacked out that night, but I went brown out really hard where I lost bits and pieces. <laughs> Sometime yeah. after that, I ended up by the mile marker zero sign taking terrible drunken selfies. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is exactly what you should do. Anyway. Yeah, for yeah, sure. absolutely. But uh yeah. She's gonna shit. She's gonna shit when I tell her this. Oh my god, it's hysterical. <laughs> that is hysterical. Yeah, that you guys, actually, all all of you, all three of you, four, however many of you, by the time you all were shit faced and holding oh, yeah. court and yelling at everybody, if you came within the bar, you all yelled at them and at people, yeah. "Hey, come in!" And then, but and also the bar was so small. That in order for them to come into order, we kind of had to move away or, or go to the walls a little bit or evacuate a little so they could sort of come in. Yeah, the so bar had a capacity of like eight people. Yep, yep. 
And that bartender, the guy who owned it or whatever, he was such a rad dude. Yeah. Such yeah. a nice guy. I, I think we, I feel like she might even be Insta friends with him. Oh, nice. I feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that was such a, that's so fucking funny. Wow. What a small world. That is a small world. That. Yeah, when, when Steven told me that like he had talked to you about doing the the show, I was like, oh my god, I met him in Key West, and I was so drunk, so so. <laughs> You're like, we were we were drunk together in Key West. You're like, okay, we're 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 definitely gonna talk to him. <laughs> that is hysterical. That is so fucking funny. Wow. Yeah, that that I definitely I feel like I definitely browned out a little there as well, for sure. Because yeah. there was nothing. We we weren't going on the cruise. There was no way Joan was going to go on the cruise, um, and so yeah. So we just went on the boat for that day and and literally left at, right after our performance. So yeah, that, that's kind of the way a lot of those cruises work. If you're not on it, you're allowed to get on and get off. It, I gotta say, man, it was it was pretty strict. Like trying to get on, it it kind of sucked, man. It, it really, I mean, and we I had like I literally had a backpack. But we had to stop the van at this like checkpoint and get out and like and and then you know there's a dog and I'm a weeder and I'm like this I'm like this sucks um, so I mean but and I just left all this you know I brought my pen so I'm like awesome I you know I got to spend hours on this boat we had a room and a balcony which was you know and I was like awesome this is cool I was like would be even better if I had my weed. Um, <laughs> But, but my weed was at the fucking smallest bar with you, uh, <laughs> getting getting wasted. Uh, but um, yeah, no, but yeah, we, yeah, it was fun. We did that and got off. I I I, I don't think I could have stood um, going on going out of port, man. Knowing now, yeah, what we know about cruise ships, I I don't even. I'll tell you what. No, and knowing knowing Joni, I that's. As I know, Joni, I don't think if we like even that, I don't think she'd ever get on a cruise ship ever again, even if it was just like for like that amount of time to like get on, play a performance and leave. Like, I don't know. I don't I don't know if anybody should ever get on a cruise ship again and not to dog the cruise ship industry. But I mean, that's like a floating fucking Petri dish. That's in, that's just that's crazy. Yeah, it's weird how. Know. Perception has changed a lot in a very, very short time on those kind of things. Yeah, I, I was never, and again, it was probably really back to the weeder thing. It was just one of those things that I was like, oh, it's really tough. Like you have to, because it's it's like, and I, again, I don't know the exact terminology, but you know, it's it's you're going through like some sort of customs thing, or you know. Yeah. I, I don't. Again, I don't know what you know. This what the seas are. You know, what, what they're referred to. But I mean, you go through this. I, I remember doing um, with my parents down here, and we went like on a day cruise to the Bahamas. And you had to have your passports, man. You went through customs. You went through passport control or something. And it was just, you know, it was kind of crazy. It's something a little nutty. I think that was just oddly enough. I we had I, or I my parents had to have licenses. Maybe we didn't have to have our passports, but. To go to the, but it was. I felt like we had to go through a lot, you know. And and being a traveler in a band who goes through passport control and stuff, it was. It just was. It just seemed oddly similar. And to me, I was just like, ah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I'd, I'd rather 
fly someplace and then, you know, just do my thing. Um, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, it is odd how perception has changed for sure. So um, we've got, like, probably 15 minutes before we wrap it up. I want to get to – I know that was a little off topic. You <laughs> left – you left the souls in 13. Did you leave Bouncing Souls to uh, join Joan Jet, or was there something else in the middle there as well, like a downtime? Um, I, it was like close to, it was really close to the end of 13. Uh, for like into 14, it was like just about 14 when I quit. Yeah. Um, no, I was doing. I had um, started playing with Rome from Sublime, oh. and yeah, and um, he. I, I just and it was a little different. It wasn't. It wasn't like Sublime. Um, being like a jersey, you know, like a Philly kid. I didn't. We didn't really have Sublime. We didn't have Sublime. You know, I think you got Sublime if you were like a California kid, if you were like a South Florida kid, any like any sunny, tropically kind of place. You know, maybe right. uh, you know you you. I think that you got you got Sublime. I I didn't get Sublime as a kid. I got the Descendants. Um, <laughs> so um, which I thought was better. Um, and um, but so but I I liked him and I and I had a friend that who. I just, just threw some sorts, and they were like, hey, man, blah, blah, blah. It, they, it was really, actually, I thought it was, somebody told me it was sublime. And I sort of made some inquiries, and it was like, hey, um, no, it's not sublime. It's, it's, it's Rome. He's doing his own thing. So I went to a sublime show, um, and, and, and funny enough, and, I won't, and I'll keep this short because I know we have time, and but my mouth runs too long i have this crazy mouth no this has been great uh, we call it the mcdermott mouth and it's it's sometimes good it's sometimes bad it hasn't <laughs> it's never really gotten me into such trouble so thing. but um but anyway so i went to the show and and i feel like i was i was i had a, like a tryout with rome's brother where rome's brother like took me into the back lounge of the bus and like i guess he was like let's see how much we can you huff how, how big are you and and I passed that test, and so then after that, it was like after the show, and then we were all back there, and then Rome was like, and he was like, hey man, he's like he's like Michael, he's like he's like I, I'm sorry, he goes, what do you do again? And I was like, I play drums in the Bouncing Souls. I was like, but I want to play drums in in your solo project that you have coming up. And he was like, what? And it was like, fuck yeah, like yeah, let's do this. <laughs> Um, and it was kind of like um, it was kind of like Daft Punk meets The Clash, man. There was like a lot of track yeah. shit, a lot of a lot of crazy weird sequency shit. It's probably some of the harder drumming that I've had to do because you're literally keeping up, you know, with some shit. Um, and and I so I did that for a couple years. Um, but ultimately, man, kids kids want what they want, and like they weren't really ready for Rome to do anything other than Sublime. Um, that kid is a fucking mastermind. He's a wicked producer. He is always working on shit, and I mean, he's written stuff um, from like Rihanna to like uh, was that Twin Cities or whatever. They had like one of his hits. Like he just he just does a ton of shit. Um, which is super cool, man. Super talented kid, great friend, great dad now. Um, 
but so then I was doing that. Um, and we went on a tour with Dirty Heads. Um, I, uh, I, the girlfriend that I have, she was in Philly. We had sort of had, we had taken a break. The girl that you hung out with at the smallest bar. Um, <laughs> she, um, and she, so she came to the Jacksonville show. And we just sort of, we had always sort of been, we had only taken a year off. But I sort of realized at that point, I was like, I really miss her, you know. You know, in, in life you can do a lot of stuff, but there's, you know, you sometimes you miss people, and she's just something that I, a person that I, I adore and I missed and I needed to be with. So I relocated at that point down from Philadelphia uh, to South Florida. Um, and I, again, I lived down here in like, you know, the 90s, late 94, 95 into 96. Um, and so I just kind of came back. I'm a little, you know, 25 miles north. Uh, Fort Lauderdale, a little town called Delray Beach. Um, but yeah, I, I came down here to do that, and I was still flying out to um, to do um, Rome stuff here and there, um, doing some session stuff. Um, I started playing. The, uh, I, King Django was going to do uh, was going to come down here, um, and he wanted me to put together a band. And so uh, there's a there's a band down here called Spread the Dub, like a kind of like a local ska reggae bar band, but they do a lot of originals. And um, their but their horn player, their their trombonist Sam, was really great. Um, and school has like a degree in music, and I was like, say I, I you know I tapped him to be in the band, and then when the Django thing fell through, he was hey, like, hey man, Spread the Dub needs a drummer, and I was like. And I, and I was like, and I, I thought of, I was like, wow, I, I, I've never played like three sets in a bar ever in my life. Like, that's not how I grew up. I, I just started playing punk and hardcore and you, and you learned, you know, 20 minutes, you know, you're the opening band. So if you got 20 minutes, you learn 20 minutes worth of, you know, music, or, you know, you learned a half hour's worth of music, but they only gave you 20 minutes. And so you played a half hour's worth of music in 20 fucking minutes. Cause you were opening for sick of it all or somebody. Um, and so, so I started to do that and I did, and that was, I got to say, man, playing like three sets a night, aside from like having some like late nights, like just like starting later, like, you know, starting at 11 and going till two 30 or something like it was wicked. I mean, I play, I play, you know, from like nine, nine thirty in the morning until about 11, 11 30. And then I play from like six to nine, seven to 10, um, every day. And to and sometimes though, you, I felt, I, you know, you feel challenged and like what we're like, you know, a little like, slack what am i going to play today what should i work on you know you don't want to play to stuff but that was like a thing you know you're like well you know a i was making money doing it um and b it was a great learning tool for me um and so that happened uh, for maybe about like a year and a half um i had met uh joan and the blackhearts uh on the 06 warp tour Okay. Um, yeah, and so back to the gold record. Um, <laughs> back to the gold record. Uh, and um, and um, and so we were all on the same stage. There used to be two main stages. They um, warped tour, and they used to have them literally right next to each other. 
they would rifle off a half hour at a shot, um, and and you know one stop. You know, you guys know. I'm not telling you anything. Yeah, I think we we probably were all at the the Camden one, or maybe you went to Scranton. Just no, I was a Camden. Yeah. Yeah. But um, so yeah, we were all on this on the one main stage together. So we all hung out in our little world all summer. Um, You know, Joni is uh, in my camp, so to speak. So um, she would come hang out in the back lounge of my bus because nobody could find her in the back lounge of the Bouncing Souls bus. They were all looking for her in the back lounge of her right. bus. So it was an easy escape, and she could just come back there. And, and, and she. I never really – I mean, again, I, I grew up for sure, like, you know, in my base. And, every, and, and again, every, every night that I start, I love rock and roll, and I go – I'm like it's it is the most surreal moment of the day for me I like because I just it takes me back to like in my mother's basement yeah I mean I'm like holy shit I'm fully and I'm playing because I you know I I played I played the Blackbirds I played to the Go-Go's like you know you I didn't yeah I don't play anything I just I love music um but um so it was easy then so so I so it was probably like the day after <clears throat> Christmas, and I get a call from a from a number that I don't recognize, uh, but I know that it's uh, a, it's a Long Island number, and so um, it goes to voicemail, and then I pick it up, and I check the thing, and it's like, hello, this is Kenny Laguna from the Blackhearts. How you doing? And I was like, oh, shit, Kenny's calling me, like, you know, the manager. And I was like, wow. But at the same time, if you guys remember, like, the Souls used to do this thing called Home for the Holidays. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it, right. So, so and it was and it was December 26, 27, 28, 29. And, and they had come to a show, probably my last one, maybe 2012. Uh, they came. They were they were heading down south or something, and the Blackhearts stopped uh, at the Stone Pony and watched the show. And then Joan, for like the next week, would like text me and be like, "Boy, you were fucking on fire, boy. Man, it's fucking so good to watch you, dude. I'm fucking need a drummer. Come and like and you know and like the next day she's like, dude, we can't stop talking about you, bro." And like, and it was, and so it was cool. And, but so when I get this Kenny thing, I'm like, I'm like, Ooh. And I kind of like, but then I go, Oh, he just wants fucking home for the holiday tickets. And he doesn't know I'm not in the fucking souls anymore. <laughs> and, um, and so I call him back and he's like, hello. And I was like, Hey, how you doing? He goes, I just was speaking with Brian. And I was like, yep, I knew it. I knew it. You just wanted fucking home for the holiday tickets. <laughs> and he goes, and he goes, I was going to see if we could borrow you, but Brian says you're a free agent. <laughs> and then, uh, and then my eyes got wider again. And I was like, do, do, do tell. Yes, sir. <laughs> I, that, that, that I, that I am. Um, and then it was even funnier, but he kind of wanted, it, it, they definitely wanted like a Northeast guy. They wanted somebody, they didn't want an LA guy. Um, like Kenny Arnoff was like, they were, they were like kind of tapping Kenny Arnoff to come in. Um, but he was, he's an LA dude and he's Kenny Arnoff. <laughs> um, 
And so they were, but they wanted an East Coast guy. And I was like, uh, I was like, Kenny, I, I don't, I don't live up there anymore. I was like, I live, I live in South Florida, man, like in this little tiny beach town. And he, uh, and he's like, South Florida. I was like, yeah, it's like kind of between West Palm and Fort Lauderdale, Delray Beach. And he's like, Delray Beach. I have two houses in Delray Beach. <laughs> and I was like, all right, okay, well, I'm back in the game. Let's, let's keep talking. Like, you know, I mean, I just really, you know, I, you know, at first he was like, because he was saying, you know, we're, we're really looking for a guy from in this, you know, and I was like, fuck, I'm going to lose out because I don't, you know, and I'm, so anyway, it just, it kind of worked out. And, um, you know, and nowadays you can kind of be wherever. Um, and so, yeah, man, so I went and I, and I played with them. And then I did a show, and but they had Kenny Arnoff who was coming in, and so I was actually really only going to be an interim guy. Um, and then Kenny, and so I played a show, and I didn't do so great. <laughs> um, I, I, I mean, I, I did okay. I, I thought my practices were okay. I thought this, I mean, but again, you know, I mean, you, we all have a level that we want to a standard that we want to go to anyway. So I didn't really meet that standard. I was a little bit bummed out. They went out to California um, and did a, did a show with Arnoff and that didn't work out. Uh, the six songs he played didn't pan out. We came back, they came back to New York. Um, we played again and and it was cool. And they were like, yes, yes, you, you, you're the guy. <laughs> and, um, and so it was cool. I mean, it, but they, I mean, there's the drummer for the black cards is, um, is a gentleman really, his name is Tommy price. And he's been Jones drummer for uh, 30 years, 40 years. Um, he's, he's done everything um, he, uh, from, you know, from scandal to Billy Idol kind of, basically his own living legend um, and a wicked drummer, wicked dad, great guy. But so I was kind of, um, he, 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 he went out more on like a medical thing. Um, gotcha. And, and so it's been, you know, I've been in this band probably coming up on six years. I've into my, into my, well into my fifth year. Um, but I, I still feel like I'm just sort of like keeping the seat warm for him. You know, right um and i just and i kind of will always feel that way because it's just it's one of those things that's always going to be his seat um they don't make they don't say that and i they don't ever make me feel that way that's just kind of you know i think you sort of when you come into a situation no matter like you like even it's like an unwritten when rule came, or whatever yeah man you just, just kind of knowing you're like with 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 the soul again with the souls i you know i wanted to sort of honor Shal's legend and, and his and what he had done, but I kind of wanted to add, add a little to it and, you know, keep what he's done. I don't want to, you know, you don't, you don't come in and start putting your stamp all over everything. You know, it right. wasn't really broke before you got there. There's really no reason for you to fix it. There's a reason why this has worked and, and sort of keep it that way. And that's, and that's really kind of what I do. And, um, and it's, and it's, and it's worked out. It's been, you know, it's been five years. She's a great fucking boss. Um, she definitely knows exactly what she wants. 
She knows what she wants to hear. She's a great guitar player. She's a great singer. So she definitely and can hear you and knows everything you do or you don't do. Um, we Have you ever gotten written up? Written up? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, dude, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. For sure, man, yeah. Well, you, well, it's just more like, it was more like, what, what, what happened here? And I'd be right. like, oh, well, I, I, I dropped that beat because I had to blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I mean, again, but like she just just wants to know like i mean we it, we it's kind of like i mean she's we're all super sport fans so like you know it's kind of like watching a game film or talking about the game right you know, trying to improve and trying to improve upon the game and make you know the what, what happened sunday now it's monday morning let's talk about what happened yesterday right um gotcha. so just that uh, but no man super 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 cool man and, and again very just super super nurturing you know what i mean like this is this is a legacy that I kind of walked into, and like it's, you know, I mean, I definitely had a little to learn. I think you know when you come into and into anything, I think I still have you know, I don't think I've I don't think I've learned everything yet. Um, but it, it's just you know, she's just just very helpful, very uh, even help you know helpful musically, like in in in, in teaching me. Of, of things of, you know, she's from a little bit of a different era than me. So she knows her, you know, her influences are different than, you know, you or I, our influences. Right. You know, she's not really, you know, whereas she doesn't mind the descendants if when you put them on, she wouldn't necessarily put on descendants first. She might've put on like a Lou Reed record or a T-Rex record or a Bowie record. You know what I mean? And you're like, and so, that stuff that, you know, I would listen to anyway, but it's, you know, there's also then, you know, stuff that you don't hear that she starts to talk about, you know, and it's just, and, and sort of show you and, or like here play it like this, you know, she's got really just interesting, uh, interesting analogies on like, you know, how to keep things, you know, I have to keep those kind of personal. I'll just say that they're, they're pretty funny. Uh, but just the way she wants grooves, you know, like, um, so it's just pretty funny, you know, pull things back and she'll use certain analogies that are just hysterically funny. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, she's just a great person, man. The kindest person, most loving animal, loving lover. I mean, it's sweet. We're, it's, I got to say, it's, what's odd, I'll say this, it's odd. Like, we, we, we were all in, like, a text thing all the time. And it's, I, I really... Not that I didn't feel like I was in a band with the souls, but like, you know, I, it, they, the, the black cards have made it so easy to feel like, like I'm in a band, you know what I mean? And she right. doesn't have to do that. You know, she, there, there, she doesn't have to, but there's, and she's not like she, when she's, you know, when she speaks, she doesn't say Joe Jen, the black card. She says, we're the black cards. Right. Yeah. Like that's how she wants even people to, you know, to announce us. Not like, you know, here's Joe Jen, the black card. She wants him to say, here, here's the black cards. She's like, they know who the fuck I am. You don't fucking tell me who the fuck I am. (laughs) Um, And and it's, and so just that, I mean, that's so fucking real. You know what I mean? It's so down to earth. It's mellow. It's, it's easy to just, it's easy to be in that band. You know what I mean? It's easy to be, you know, it just is. We all miss each other, though. And it's it, it just you sent you, you. It's it's been sad 
you kind of, you know, we, we, since I've been in that band, man, um, because we don't, I mean, you, you know, you guys see, we, we all tour like punk rock guys. So, you, you know, you make a record and you go out on tour. Well, we, we would do, like, say we would do a tour that would start, like, since I've been in the Blackhearts. So, like, we, like, when I first got in the, in the band, we instantly, uh, I was in the band, like, maybe a month. And we did four shows. So, I did, like, like or five shows. And then I we went to Canada with Hart, so I was instantly on tour. And then we had a then, but then when we come off tour, we only ha, we don't take time off. So right. and even that though that was only three weeks. So maybe we had like ten days off, and then we would go and we would start to do because we'll do like casinos, but we'll do like the event centers at these casinos or places, or all over. We just play shows. You know, you go to like, you know, New Jersey Pack or all these like performing arts centers and, you know, or like little, you know, the B, the B size hockey arenas. So she always works. So even if we go on tour, we do a summer tour and that thing ends, you know, September 25th, I'll come home for like maybe 12 days, man. Like, so in five years, we have not been apart for more than like less than two weeks. Oh, wow. To where, to where we, even if it's just like you fly in somewhere on a Thursday, you play a show on a Friday and we all leave on it. Or even sometimes, I mean, they'll fly in the day of cause they're all coming from one way and all, but like all come in the day before, like on the, you know, on the, usually we all fly in the day before, but if it's close enough, they'll fly in day of, um, and it's just like, but we've not been apart this long in five years. And it's, de- and dude, we, it's, it's funny, man. Like you, we feel it. You know what I mean? We definitely all feel it. We're, we're, we're definitely, we're sad for each other. We miss each other. So, and it's kind of nice. I, I, you know, I haven't, again, I, I haven't had, you know, I, you know, I had that in the souls, but at the same time, those guys, like, they all went to high school together. They went to, like, grade. They all grew up together. So they had this whole other level of camaraderie and brotherhood that I could never penetrate. You know what I mean? Like, you, we, I didn't ride around on Schwinn's, you know, kicking dirt, you know, with slingshots, <laughs> you know, doing some fucking stand-by-me shit. You know what I mean? Like, those dudes did. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like you get yeah. have that level of like love that you just you can't you 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 can you know you can tour all over everywhere for thirteen years, but I feel like I never I could never it was it was almost a little impenetrable, you know. Yeah. And so I and and but with this we're all you know with the Blackhearts we're all sort of so like like just you know we're we're all we we're all just sort of all such loners that we're all just like, I love you, man. I love you. I, love you. I mean, souls, souls was a fucking love fest. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Kate is great cultivated the biggest love fest in the world. And then one of the greatest bands and organizations. Um, but the, you know, the black hearts, man, are it's, it's, it's something special for sure. It's totally something special. That's awesome. Yeah. I saw um, the, the videos you guys were doing, obviously from, quarantine homes that a yeah, yeah. few other bands were i think i saw goldfinger did a bunch too 
<laughs> well, you know what? Everybody started doing, like, that's just us. Like, that's me. And when you look at that, that's in the room that I'm speaking to you now. Right. Um, and that's just, like, my GoPro up on, like, a shelf. And, and, and the other things were just, like, everybody else on, like, phones or their computer. Yeah. And so, and, like, that's kind of how it was. And then, like, uh, like then all of a sudden, Goldfinger, like, Feldman was like, I'm going to go to the studio, and I'm going to yeah. do this in the studio. They went all out. But they got, got dressed it. up for it. Dude, that's, like, a real shit. Like, yeah. Like, I'll say that, though, man. This, um, this whole thing, that's when I started um, investing in home recording stuff. I had all my – my kit was completely – like, when you look at that video – Everything in that video I already had, um, like my board, all the, my kit was all mic'd up, but I didn't have, um, I didn't have like an interface to get any, or any like sort of like, you know, Pro Tools or Cubase right. or, so um, in trying to do all this, you know, I, 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 I was like, hey, what would it take for me to like, but, and it was also crazy because everything was shutting down. And, like, there was, you know, you even had, like, I, I think I called Guitar Center at one point, and I was like, hey, man, can I get audio, please? And the guy was like, dude, there's three people here. He's like, what do you want? He's like, there's nobody in drums. There's no audio. He's like, there's three of us. What do you need? And I was like, oh, shit. Uh, I was like, do you have uh, any focus right? And it's, you know, like, but that, like, and it was one of those things. And so I, you know, it was I, I I wanted to try to get into that whole world, um, and so you know yeah so but that that's seeing Feldman all those dudes yeah and Charlie I was like I was like oh fuck you guys I'm gonna start recording real drums like <laughs> so um so it, the, we um we just did a uh, uh, this song um, that's gonna come out and I um and I I did it on there and it's it's only um it's it's called Jeepster it's um. It's a uh, T-Rex song, um, but um, it uh, I, I only I only use like kick and snare. The, the song is kick, snare, and hat. So I like use my two overheads and my kick and my snare and my GoPro, and I and I sort of like you sort of mixed it. And the GoPro was like added audio. That was like the secret filler weapon sounds thing. Um, I, again, we'll see how it sounds. I haven't heard it with everybody else doing it yet, so we'll see. But um, yeah, yeah. Those everybody else took it up a notch. I was like, wait, we're supposed <laughs> to do this on our cell phones, aren't we? Like, but uh, yeah, man. So yeah, they definitely took it up a notch. A lot of people take it up a notch, and I think actually, it's that's going to be the fucking way of the future. Which is also then why I was like, I got to kind of get in on this and start right. to like figure out a way to do this so that I can be relevant at any you know or however that fits you know and again i i still would rather just come in here and you know play the fucking some country record or, or fucking bad religion record or whatever i'm going to play that night it's just you know, sure. pressure is way easier so yeah all right so i think we're probably going to wrap it up we're about our 45 minutes is there anything you want to shout out i know you just mentioned you recorded some like worked on some new stuff any bands you want to shout out that you want people to listen to or no man i'm i mean i haven't really i haven't re recorded for anybody i'm doing some like friends um 
So, no, it's one of those things where I'm not looking to – like, I, I didn't just go buy everything and, and I'm like, hey, I'm going to record on your shit. Like, I, I want to – you know, I got to figure it out first, and I want to make sure right. like really that I know how to do it. And and even at that point, then I'm going to kind of be like, can I play on your stuff for free? Like, I don't want to charge anybody. I just want to, like, you know, learn how to do it and, and make it fun. And um, so, no, man, I just – no, I just – I you know – I think, you know, the only thing I would shout out is just everybody hang in there. Obviously, this is, you know, it's starting to get a little crazy with everybody. But, uh, you know, do your due diligence, man. Put your fucking mask on. Stay inside if that's what, you know, if that's what you're supposed to do. I don't know how, I mean, you know, how hard is it, you know? It's it's crazy. It's literally crazy that we, we have all the modern conveniences and we're, and we're losing our minds. Like, <laughs> I, I, you know... It's, it's oh, yeah. really nuts. It's, it's, and I think if the internet went down, we all like there would have been anarchy for sure. Oh, absolutely. oh yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think every server was like, we cannot go down. There's a there's a pandemic. We cannot have a fucking internet panic on top of the fucking pandemic. I would have burned at least oh, yeah. three cars by now. Right? You know what I mean? Exactly. We just would have gone out fucking looting. You know, like I would have been standing on roofs of cars, like with, with fire, bats and shit. Like that's that's where you start taking bats and driving nails through them and just creating your own sort of weaponry. You know, it becomes real fucking, real, real, real caveman like at that point. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but no, I thank you guys for having me. I, I really do. I've really enjoyed uh, the stuff. That I've heard um, some of the other stuff, um, so it's it's cool. You had some of my friends on, like Terry Cloth and all. Um, oh, nice! Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, man. It's I, yeah, so it's cool. I love it. It's it's, it's a, yeah. It's, like, again, it's an honor. To, it's it's any anytime somebody asks me to do something, you know, it's I I'm stoked. You're like really? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I mean. And anybody who doesn't act that way is just a fucking douchebag. Because really, like, anybody who's willing to take their time to talk to you or to listen to your music or to whatever, man, that, you know, we all bleed red, man. We all bleed red. Nobody is better than anybody. And I think we, we would all be better off if we all thought that way. Yeah. Well, it's but, but, it's it's been a real yeah. privilege privilege mike uh i don't want to blow too much smoke up your ass but we're all giant souls fans so cool. yeah. really really, really appreciate this dude anytime anytime we'll we'll uh we'll do another one man in, in, in a while we'll maybe when this is all over we will figure it out awesome i'd love oh, yeah. to yeah so, yeah definitely so stay in touch fellas awesome thanks bud have a good night thanks man thanks you guys have a great night you too mike later bye-bye Let's circle back to the uh, to the Chameleon Club. Uh, you you had mentioned it, and I don't listen to our episodes after they post, so I don't know what Stephen kept in the last one or not. Oh, but I you, listen to it because I want to critique myself. So you mentioned MC in the in the last time we spoke that you thought the same old couple owned the Chameleon Club building, and that they were selling to the college. Well, that's what they, I had been. That's what I had been told by somebody that's pretty up to date on Lancaster stuff. Right. 
Well, I'm I'm just saying. So you you stated this that you thought the same people owned the building, and that um, the college was trying to buy it for a very long time, and perhaps they finally did. Sir, sir, you're over your two minutes. <laughs> Brandon, let me finish. Brandon asserted that all of that is completely wrong. Okay, but he didn't. He was curious where you got it from and then didn't really solidify anything else and encouraged us to speculate wildly as to what was actually happening. That's fine. Why didn't he just come on? Oh, we'll have him on. He agreed. But I mean, that was from, I mean, that was from Prino. And I mean, he knows Lancaster going on pretty well. You're naming names. I thought I named names before. He did not name names. You might've. I mean, Prino has kind of Prino has a pretty good pulse on what's going on in Lancaster. Fair enough. I've heard he has high blood pressure, though. Uh, Probably. That's I, a bad, not bad joke. That is a terrible joke. You made a false <laughs> joke. That's terrible. <laughs> made a joke that's about funny. Made a joke about a man's pulse. No, that's not good. <laughs> it's okay because I have high blood pressure. Do you? I think. I probably do, but I don't go to the doctor because if we have less tests for COVID, we have less cases. Um, I have to go to the doctor. I once got blood work done. I got blood work done after going on a bender one night, and the doctor said, the only thing wrong is your liver function seems a little off. And I was like, can't imagine why. It was working really hard. (laughs) (laughs) So if you have blood work, don't get drunk the night before. Might fuck it up a little bit. Oh, that makes a little bit of sense. Uh oh. <laughs> but no, it's okay. <laughs> I mean, l- let's let's just be reasonable. <laughs> if the chameleon's not going to be at that building anymore, somebody bought it. They're not just going to keep the property. Right. It's almost certainly going to be housing. I would. There's not as much money in housing as there is in other things. What would you okay? Let's do this. We've Wait. all been inside the chameleon. What would you do with that space? A venue. Music. That is boring as shit. What would you do with that space? I mean, I still think that Franklin and Marshall is trying to buy as much property in that area of Lancaster as possible. Whether for, club, honestly. whether for student housing or for um like that's not a weird joke. I'm campus, <laughs> you know, classrooms, whatever. But student housing, if you're if you want to go the housing route, yes, then that would make a lot of sense. I like to think that it'll be some sort of high end condo situation because I like thinking that Stephen and Josh pissed in someone's condo, like on the couch. We could just we could just go do that. <laughs> yeah. I I think also just like from what um, people look for when they think of a successful city, like a nightclub would be a very obvious choice because they already have the bar set up and everything. In two levels. More than three. Oh, yeah, I guess so. There's three bars, right? Yeah. Damn. There's four technically in there. Doesn't the outside, like, deck area have a bar now, too? Oh, yeah. Well, there's two down in Lizard Lounge, right? Yeah, but they only use the one side now. Still. Still. When I would put my house in the market, just because I don't shit in the other bathroom, and I only shit in one, I'd still count on the bathroom. 
Yeah, but I'd only say it, I'd say it has three bathrooms, but two shitters. Okay. Yes. Luckily, True. they don't they don't put how many shitters are in a house on the uh, market report or whatever. Well, the good real estate agents do. Yeah. Well, the the one I may have shared this photo with you guys, but I found a house. I browse Zillow every once in a while just to be nosy, and I found Fair a enough. house locally here in York. That uh, and when you're looking at houses, you basically look at square footage, and then you look at kitchens and bathrooms, right? Because bedrooms are square rooms; doesn't really matter. I look at bathrooms and kitchens because those are the areas that, if I don't like it, it's going to cost me the most money to fix it. Um, and this place, I can't tell you the address or anything. I should have saved all of that, but it showed a picture of the bathroom, and there was brown in the toilet because the toilet seat was open. So I took a screenshot of it, and I was sharing it with people, and I was laughing. And it wasn't until after I took the screenshot and I shared it with a couple people that I was really looking at the picture, and I realized there were gallon jugs of piss sitting beside the toilet full of brown. Ooh. Yeah. That sounds like that house in Columbus we stayed at. And what's really crazy is uh, so us, a, like realtor, a realtor posted that picture – after their photographer took the picture and the person that owns the house was like still living there was like, Looks yeah, good. that's a great picture. Like no one thought, Hey, close the toilet. Maybe <laughs> put the piss jugs behind the shower curtain. Man, <laughs> fucking like apartment realtor photos are my favorite thing. Oh yeah. they're. <laughs> which, Oh, Steven, which house in Columbus? The, the one we played with at Hockey League. Oh, I didn't think that was that. Okay, uh, they didn't. I don't want to. I don't want to out them, so you can you can cancel any of this that you want. But no, I just said the house we played with at Hockey League. No one knows that, but right, probably not even at Hockey League. They probably didn't watch us. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I remember that they were so worried about their water bill that you had to like recycle the water that you peed into the toilet and there was a bucket. And at that point it was just like, why don't you just pee in a bucket and dump it instead of <laughs> running it through your toilet system. Why not just pee outside? When um Trunks and Tails played yeah. in, in Asheville, North Carolina, and we stayed at a we played at an anarchist cafe and stayed at a house that had gray water buckets like that and a solar oven on the porch and like a yard full of chickens. Yard full of chickens is a great band name. <laughs> solar S oven isn't a terrible band name. So no, that's good. That looks, sounds like a book too. After mm -hmm. a show here at the garage one time, there was just randomly a book about raising chickens left on the like under the windshield wiper of my van you ever you ever pee next to one of those fellas that it sounds like they just like dump a glass of water into the thing yeah it's, it's weird right did. it's weird i don't trust them um hey one thing i wanted to start doing more is talking more about the bands that we actually interview in the episode oh um not seem like a thing. So yeah. now sometimes we do episodes, right? Where 
one of us has never even listened to fucking band, so it doesn't really work. But this episode, we did the Balancing Souls, which obviously all of us really like. And I think we should talk about it. Justin, when was the first time you saw the Balancing Souls? It might have been Warp Tour 2004 in Hershey, which feels late in the Bouncy Souls career, right? It does, yeah. Uh, but 2004 was because Anchors Away came out in 2003. So I don't think I saw them before that. And I was still a junior in high school, so it might have been the first chance I got to see them. Okay. Anchors it, Away was 2003. Uh, Gold record was 2006. Right, because it came out six six oh six. Yeah, like December Underground. It sure did. I got them both. Yeah, me too. <laughs> they played the rec, rec Center in Red Lion in the late 90s a couple times, and I saw them there once, but I don't remember if which one. Honestly, like I have both the flyers. I couldn't I know I didn't go to one of them. But the first time I really remember like seeing the Bouncing Souls, knowing who they were and being like into them, we were at the Chameleon Club in like the late '90s. I was either still in high school or just out of high school, so it would have been '99. Um, you know, long before the Chameleons remodel to what it is now, and um, yeah, yeah, that would have been summer vacation or. Hopeless for Manic Tour for air that vacation was after 2000. Yeah, it was 2001. Okay, then it would have been Hopeless for Manic or but right the chameleon's the first Manic. time. Hopeless for no summer vacation was the first time I saw them and it was at the Chameleon Club. I, I just remember that I saw took... them at the time I saw them at the Chameleon, it was winter and I was like three quarters sick, so I was kind of miserable. If it was summer, like the summer vacation tour, which it probably was, because I remember getting the CD and thinking, never mind, I won't even tell that part. Um, <laughs> no, what did you think? What did you think, Steve? <laughs> I, I thought they were saying something about red coats in the first song when they said I put that needle on the record. So for the longest time, I thought they were British and singing about the red coats. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wish you guys so, could hear the sound of a facepalm. <laughs> <laughs> so I initially, I got the the um, self-titled CD as a gift from my grandmother when my sister went to see Blink-182 and I didn't get to go along. And then I got summer vacation and we went to see him on that tour at the Chameleon. And I was like, that was probably like 2003 maybe. And I was like 12 and I remember bounce pogoing on the stage during Mantham and thinking it was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> My God. Uh, you're not wrong. It but, would yeah. still be the coolest thing ever today. Yeah, but I feel like I have better Bouncing Souls memories than that. Yeah, what's your so what's your favorite time seeing the Bouncing Souls? Oh, mine's easy. Mine's yeah? probably a fest, a fest a one. Fest 10? That's my second favorite. My favorite was... It was like 10 years ago they played the auto bar with D4. I was going to say, yeah. I think this is one of my first memories of UMC is you climbed up that pole wearing a bunch yeah. of studs and launched off that pole and crushed a bunch I of I was them. at that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we were at that too. Uh, yeah. yeah, the 
one dude from D4 had a bottle of Jack Daniels that he handed into the crowd, and Tall Robert was there with my group of friends, and he obviously, being the tallest guy, was the guy that got the bottle, handed it around so we could all take a few swigs, and on the way back up, we all took another swig before it got up there. So by the time the Bouncing Souls played, we were all really, really, really drunk, a lot more so than we planned on being. Thank you, Dillinger 4. That was a fun one. I also remember when they did this full album shows at the church was oh, the last time yeah. I uh, I also had a sling on my arm. <laughs> and um, I had just gotten the sh- labrum surgery, and I was definitely stage diving while still in a sling, and probably is the reason I'm in a sling again. <laughs> which which albums did you see? Do you remember? Uh, summer Vacation and Anchors Away. Cause, good ones, uh, good ones. Bobby and I went to self-titled and hopeless romantic i may have done two of them honestly i may have been that like well well that year they did um they also did full albums at home for the holidays so so lois and i had already seen hopeless romantic not hopeless romantic um summer vacation anchors away at home for the holidays and then bobby and i saw the other two at the church because iron chic played yeah I remember discussing this and being upset that we weren't going to the same one. Yeah, I really enjoyed seeing the Bouncing Souls as the odd band out on the uh, Every Time I Die Christmas show a few years ago up in Buffalo. That's cool. Um, yeah. They had a couple like more punk rock bands, more uh, compared to the, like, the heavy, heavy hardcore and metalcore that was going on, a lot more mellow bands. And the Bouncing Souls killed it. Like, they were just so good that night. Maybe it's just because I really like the Bouncing Souls, but that I had a blast seeing them in the middle of, like, Snapcase and Every Time I Die. I have, I have two pretty good ones. Um, Lois and I drove to State College while we were in college to see them play with Modern Life is War, The Low Budgets, and World Inferno Friendship Society, which is the weirdest show in the world. Yeah. Uh, I think I was at that one. Did the bass player jump off the balcony? He did. And Greg there. and Greg wore an inflatable sumo suit during I think Night on Earth. It was very <laughs> was weird. There. It was very very weird. That was a long uh, time ago. The Cell Block, probably two thousand seven. Yeah, yeah. That's, I think Mitch Rife was there. It was one of the first nights I met him. Huh. Well, I think I met him at Old Champ year, like at some point. But right. like that was the first time I was like. Wait, I know you from somewhere else, and it's not State College. It's not here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, did you guys go to Home for the Holidays at all? I Either of you? On the one. I went one year when it got moved into a really big building on the boardwalk that I think got destroyed oh. by sand. No, it's it's still there. I think you're thinking of the convention center. Okay. Um, there were like weird stores in it, sort of. Yeah, and the sound sounded really bad because it was way too high of a ceiling. Yes. Uh, Token entry played. That year, I went to the night to the night that Let Me Run and the Gaslight Anthem played, and it was like right after uh, Fifty Nine Sound came out, and Gaslight Anthem was almost bigger than the Bouncing Souls that night. It was very weird, Um, but very very cool. I'll also uh, say this. Oh, sorry. Go go, ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I have another Home for the Holidays memory, but go ahead. Um, I saw one of their was it thirtieth anniversary shows this year. Yeah. yeah. Or last year. Last year in last Philly. Last year. Yep. And 
This is just a testament to the Balancing Souls and how much people love them. The lineup was Strike Anywhere, the Bronx, and the Balancing Souls. And even like the guy for like Tom from Strike Thomas from Strike Anywhere said, How great of a band are you that you get the Bronx to be your opener? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, he's right. For that was, a, mat- that was seen, a matinee, right? It was because the Bouncing Souls wanted to go see the Misfits that night because the Misfits awesome. show got announced right. after their show right. was already booked. So they bumped it back to a matinee and they all went to see the Misfits. I think they took everyone on the tour to see the Misfits that night. I saw Brian and Pete side stage when the Misfits played, like yeah. from my, my stupid balcony seat in the Wells Fargo Center for the Misfits. But I Another really- a... Um... Bouncing Souls adjacent memory was when you and I went to those hot water full album shows and Brian Keenlin was like stage diving the whole set and just like chilling with everyone in the crowd. And it was so cool. So goddamn cool. <laughs> but, um, the last time I saw the Bouncing Souls at the Chameleon Club, um, no secret that Steve and I are big hot water music fans. Uh, George was drumming for them and I had a couple beers and Lois and I were hanging out at the back, and George was just like hanging around the merch table. And Lois was like, "Go say something to him. You love hot water. Go say something to him." I was like, "No, I can't say anything to him. I can't say." And I walk we're over to him. We're not worthy. We're scum. <laughs> I walk. Suck. It's my favorite. I don't want to say celebrity moment because most people wouldn't call George Rebello a celebrity. But I walk over to him. I go. I go. I go. Hey man, like I don't want to be weird. I just want to say like hot water music means a whole lot to me. And he turns around and goes, hell yeah, it means a lot to me too, man. And shook my hand. I was like, that's the coolest thing <laughs> that you could have said. The, uh, was that the night that Crazy and the Brains played with them recently? I think it was, it was the one we printed the posters for. So I think so, yes. Yeah, yeah. I was there. Yeah. Um, all, like, yeah, everyone was there. But um, Why wasn't I there? I don't know. I don't know, but I was really stoked to see them at... Was it HMAC they were supposed to play right around the yeah. time it hit? Yeah. But um, for those Home for the Holiday shows, each night would have, like, for years they would pick a different theme for, like, that year. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the one year we went was, like, a bingo ball thing where they put all their song titles on a bingo ball and pulled them out of the machine. That was pretty fun. But then they let fans the next year do their set lists, right? And the year we went... This woman picked the most bizarre songs. Like I like, I celebrate the entire catalog, right? You know what I mean? Like they're good, <laughs> they're great. But are you gonna pick toilet song, shark attack, and I don't know something else goofy like all in a row? And no. I don't want to hear all one of the cocktail lounge, <laughs> right? So it was it was shit like that. And they I could look it up on Setlist FM. I'm not going to, but. So they played a bunch of those. A great resource, by the way. Oh, it for is. sure. And this woman who picked the set list during all these goofy songs about toilets was staying next to the side, next to the stage, just sobbing <laughs> that they pl- <laughs> that they played her set list. I don't mean to talk shit. It's not that at all. But like, she was just like so emotionally moved by these songs about toilet parties, <laughs> like laughing. So oh much. man. Oh, I remember awesome. when I was so young and I still had a babysitter. The babysitter was like a friend's mom and they had a younger sister. And they were like very 
this was like the time Britney Spears was like the hottest thing in America because I remember his little now, sister loved Britney Spears. Huh? Have yes. you seen her? She's in, still in shape. Yeah. You well, leave Britney yeah. alone. Well, I'm not nothing negative towards Spearsy, but at this point, I'm the only song that my babysitter would let me play in their house was the toilet song by the Bouncing Souls, and it was because the younger sister loved the toilet song and loved singing it and jumping on their couch. My God, Fat Matt and I used to go out <laughs> and like pick up the old like tube TVs before everyone had a flat screen on trash day and mm. we would take them to the west college bridge there right by the quarry and toss the tvs off the bridge <laughs> onto the road down below it damn it and <laughs> it, it, they made the coolest sound you there's you kids are villains better, you're villains nothing's better than throwing a big old tube tv off of a bridge onto a road where cars drive you're villains we normally pulled off to the side so it hit the like shoulder. Justin's only upset because he still only owns tube TV. <laughs> Buddy, if you ever want to get rid of them, I'll I'll I will pay for the privilege of reliving I, I my my. Do you want a flat screen, Justin? Twenty somethings. You know what? Do you um, want one? I have one. Wait, wait, let's no. Like it. You don't own one, right? Yeah, I have two. No. Do we need to start a GoFundMe for Justin to get a they're flat both, screen TV? They're both small. Yes. <laughs> they're Everybody, like, please, in a time of need, let's come together. The biggest let's TV. Get Justin a flat screen TV. <laughs> Go He's me, 37 man. years old and he I'm still not. has. I'm 33, you right? GoFundMe.com slash buy Justin a TV. Hey, all right. Next week is the season finale with Davey Von Horn from the Promise Spring of Maritime. <laughs>